This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome everyone to episode 68 of the Social Fishing Podcast. I am super pumped to share this episode with you. This was from our annual Windermere trip. Now, last year we didn't have one, but the other two major trips we have done to Windermere, we sat down and recorded a podcast. The very original one, it was with Mason, uh, Mitchie, Murray and myself. Uh, the year after, we had Murray's mate Dean and his old man Glenn Stewart on, and they're really good little recaps from our Windermere trip. We're usually at Windermere for three or four days, and I thought we're going again this year. I can't break the pattern. I have to do a podcast. Now, this year was a little bit different. Uh, we were joined by a few different people throughout the trip. We didn't have quite as many of us, and on the last night, it was raining pretty wet, um, so it was loud on, on the roof where we were camped, uh, where we were staying in the cabin, and it was also just Dan and myself. So, we decided to put it together with better audio once we arrived home. So it's about a week later, we've sat down and pretty much run through our entire trip. So what we touch on in this podcast is Windermere now, um, what it's like, our trip, how each day panned out, uh, some of the funny stuff, which there was plenty of, uh, talked about uh, the lessons that we learned, a few other things, and also what Windermere is going to be like moving forward. What is the fishery like now and what is it going to be like in years to come? So it's an epic chat. It goes for a while. It's an awesome listen. There's so much to dive into. And we also were there at Windermere creating a stack of content. So we have a heap of content inside the membership platform uh, that goes into a lot more detail. So anyway, that is it. Let's jump in because we're going to be talking for a while. Um, I am joined by Dan and we are talking about the iconic Lake Windermere. Pretty good trip, wasn't it, mate? Um, what was your best or most favourite memory? It's just I want to go back, don't you? <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. Um, you, I sort of got home and started flicking through a few photos and yeah, reliving a few moments up there. And yeah, you just get home and all of a sudden you just want to be back out there again for sure. It was um, yeah, no, it was a pretty good, pretty good trip. Um, really good to see the dam at a different level. Um, and you know, just to, to find out that it is still an amazing fishery, like it is still on its, yeah, still on a level all of its own. I think so. It's crazy, eh? Yeah, it is. It's, it's really good. Yeah, crazy place. Yeah, so we went away for what was it, three and a bit days, and it's good to be sitting down yeah. and having this chat now. Before we get too far into it, um, this is our Windermere podcast every trip i've done to windermere in the last four years i've done a podcast didn't go last year this one's a little bit different we ran out of time didn't we um we fished a few different anglers and we just yeah it just went so quick i think between catching up with a couple of guys up there and just i think our focus on creating as much content and that sort of thing along the way sort of kept us pretty busy but there wasn't really any Mm. You know, by the time Damn we time. get off the water and, and do, you know, cut, you know, do all those little chores that you got to do, um, you know, to make sure we're saving all the work that we've done, have a feed, rig up 
couple of bits and pieces, unload, reload. There was there was just no time to spare, mate. To be honest, it was a pretty busy trip, but um, well worth it for what we got out of it, I think. But um, yeah, we didn't quite find time to sit down and have this sort of chat. But it's good to well, be yeah, good to be sitting down doing it now, anyway. That's what I was going to say. Well, what we'll do is we'll run through the whole trip, what we did, you know, each session. Actually, we might run through what we actually do because a lot of you guys out there might not actually understand the time and things, the random little things that go into content creation. So, we might actually run through yeah. a couple of those nights and what time it got to and what I, what we did. Um, but, yeah, so we've done, I've done two other, um, they were on site, but we had a lot more people for those other podcasts. So, this is our annual Windermere one. I said I was going to do it. I was always going to do it. We're actually home now um, and it was yourself and I, Dill was on the trip with us, your young bloke and yep. Yep. for one day I was joined by um, an angler, he's from Newcastle, um, Jonathan Bleakley, he actually co-hosts a real action fishing podcast, he does a fair few um, episodes with and jumps in on episodes with Guesty on his show, he come for a day, so normally I do the podcast on the last night but there's still four or five of us there. Um, but it yep. was just yourself and I, so I thought we'll just do this when we get home and catch up. So, anyway, the yep. trip. What, let's look, let's run into the start of this trip now. This podcast will be out right in time for the long weekend. But what we talk about will apply to Windermere for probably seasons ahead. So this will be a very valuable podcast for probably a couple more years, I reckon. But oh, <clears> run sure. us through yep. the hype before we left. I know we had a busy schedule, and we'll run through the whole yeah. what we did and how we put what we went there for. Um, we went there to put together the film, but just what's your hype and what was your thoughts on going to Windermere being so full? What were you expecting? Did you have an expectation? Um, look, I did a little bit. I mean, just back to the the hype thing and the planning. I mean, that, that stuff goes on for weeks, months before we actually get away. I mean, I, I'm actually not sure how long ago it was that we mentioned... I mean, we always planned right off the back of winter, you know, we've got to get to Windy, we've got to get out there early, check it out, it's full, you know, we want to get up there and do the, the content creation thing and, and you know, uh, all that sort of thing. And also just for ourselves to go and fish it as well because it's just an epic fishery. Um, and so there is a lot of planning, a lot of anticipation, you know, you, you're in contact, you know, we're in contact with... Um, other contributors and yeah. all, all that sort of thing leading up to it and it just builds and builds and builds until you're finally on the road on that morning heading up there and um, yeah, I don't know, it's it's there's almost as much in the anticipation of a trip as in the trip itself. And um, I think Although, that's I think that's a, the travel was a little bit too long. <laughs> it was a slow trip. Those roads are pretty cut up up there. Yeah, so uh, I know the anticipation is good on the day going up, but you were definitely due to get there when we the got time, there. Yeah. By the time we got there, we were yeah, we were definitely ready, definitely ready to get off. The yeah. Road, so uh, expectation so was, was like? yeah. I, I sort of heard that you know a lot of talk about dirty water. Um, that was the thing you really mentioned. Eh? Yeah, and yeah. for whatever, I mean, it's really sort of stuck with me that, you know, everyone's going, oh, you know, the water's really dirty. They've been, you know, the AYC comp had been there before. So there was a lot of um, stuff on the socials and guys mentioning the dirty water, but it, it was nowhere near as dirty as what I expected from the talk. I mean, it was, yeah, there's, there's, you know, the water's dirty compared to Windermere drought 
conditions. Wind to me, yep. Um, but in all honesty, it, I mean, it's a lot better than my local waterway, that's for sure. Um, and so that was, I anticipated it to be dirtier than what it actually is. And so therefore, when I got there, I was like, oh, this is actually really nice still. Like, I was yeah. really happy to see that, although it was a little bit discoloured, um, you know, particularly down in that main basin area down towards the wall end, it's actually still quite good um, in my eyes. Yeah. And so that was really good. Um and I guess that was the whole, you know, it's now at, you know, 88% or something it was when we were fishing it. I hadn't fished it at that percentage ever before. And it's like, okay, so what's it going to look like? Is there still going to be banks that are laden with these big, hungry, yellow belly, keen to feed? Like, is is this dam all of a sudden going to become par with, you know, a lot of other dams that fish okay in the spring? but nowhere yeah. near a Windermere level. So that sort of thought definitely ran through my head. I'm assuming it probably would have been the same for you mm. where it's like, okay, is it is it still going to be epic? Is it still going to be this amazing Windermere that we all plan this, you know, major trip to whenever we get the chance? Well, did you listen I, to the podcast I did with Adam two weeks ago? Uh, I haven't yet, no, actually. Yeah, no. so in that, Windermere was a good 10 minutes of it and I was pondering the same thing. Actually, I should go back and listen to it even though it was two weeks ago and just listen to my opinions and what I thought of it and what it was going to be like. But I said to Adam, it could turn around and and not be the fish it is. I I said this year will be good because it's filled up so that's like a purpose to feed for the fish and maybe even next year. But I thought it would become a lake that would fluctuate a lot and the weed wouldn't come back. My opinion on that has completely changed after spending three days there after it has just risen a ridiculous yeah. amount. So yeah, yeah. I thought, will it be the same? Even when we're there fishing, I still had those feelings of it's not going to be the same just because your fish aren't going to be as in as big a concentrations as they used to be. It's just a water level thing. Yeah. Um, yes. And I don't yeah. think... It will be as easy to get those massive sessions that people used to get. Like I know people would go for three or four days, and well, we got over 107. We got 117 fish two years ago for what mm-hmm. three and a half days fishing. I think those trips won't be as common, but I still think it's going to be the iconic, epic place it always has been. I still think, like yeah. you talked about on the last day, if you find the concentrations of fish and they still will concentrate, you'll catch them. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's there's actually potential to see a an increase in size in fish um, with the increase in water capacity, like the increase in water volume in the place. I think it's actually possible that yeah that you're going to see you know the 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 Windermere pigs that we all sort of talk about. I think that we're going to see some big boppers over the next sort of you know three or four years off the back of this sort of water level. I think you're going to get some. A better number of that mid fifties too, because there's a lot of small fish in there at the minute. Um, there is, which yeah. would have been a stocking class. I imagine they dropped a heap in. Actually, I might bring it up while we're yeah. talking. I imagine they dropped a heap in, and there's a lot of small fish, but they will get massive off they're the back of this water. Yeah, yeah. they're going to grow, big. and they're going to go fast. Yeah, yeah. So why? Yeah, so run us through why? Why are they growing so quick? Now, what does the full water do for them? Well, at the moment, they've just got a whole smorgasbord of um, food to, to be eating. So on top of the usual, you know, your gudgeons or whatever they might be 
your small bait fish, your crustaceans like your yabbies and your shrimp, that are still there, even though the weed beds aren't there to concentrate that bait at the moment, those yabbies and shrimp are still in the dam. You've yep. also got all your bugs and things like that being washed out of the soil as it's risen, but the worms, yep. like those fish that worms. were spewing up just gutfuls of worms, are they gorging themselves at the moment? Like there's just that much. It? It's a really food-rich environment. So if it's just because the weed's not there, it doesn't mean that there's actually bait. You know, there's not as much food in the water. I think there's actually more food in the water. And, yep. I mean, we noticed that that, that green snotweed's already starting to grow. Yep. It's already starting to cling on to the blackberry bushes and the little shrubs and things, and even the grass that's been flooded. And it's only been flooded for a month or so. It's racing up the bank. That, that snotweed is racing. As the water's rising, it's just catching up. So say that again. I want you to say that again because that is crazy. It's just filled up very quickly. Yep. It rose a percent while we were there, but it rose like 5% before we got there, which is over half a meter. Yep. And what did we notice? It was already, it's, the slime was already growing. It's already there. Like it's it's dead set racing. As that water's rising, it is growing right in behind it. It's not thick there. though. No, it's no, not yet, but it, I imagine that it probably, you know, as we move through summer, and that's, you know, yes, we've got this season, but as we roll through this summer and the weed does start to grow again, you know, come back to next spring, you've got a full dam with weed and the snot and all the extra. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's going to be top of the charts for a little while yet. Don't worry about that. Yeah, so I was worried that it would become a system and the reason it had snot and weed was because it stayed stable. So I assumed it was like Barrenjuk, Blair and Copeton. Yep. You know, down in Victoria, Eild and Epilock. I thought it was the same and I thought, you know, the reason it's like this is because it's stable. It doesn't change. Um, yeah. It's not. There must be something else that is incredibly unique about the system because it is now just filled up and that slimy stuff is starting to grow along the edges already and I imagine yep. the weed will follow suit. Now, the weed to grow needs stability. So, if they do play with the levels from 100 to 70 to 80 to 100, if they do play with them over the summer and drop the guts out of it, the weed won't be like what it used to be. But if it stays relatively stable, it will grow back much quicker than it does in other systems. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, Why? Yeah, there is something unique about the landscape there that I could not tell you. It's got to be something to do with the ecology and the, the landscape. I also think that it's to do with it's already got that load of algae and weed, you know, seeds and things like that. It's already in the waterway. So oh, it's not okay. As, you know, so it's got... I'm not really sure what the actual wording for, like the biomass. But you're saying because it stayed, because it stayed so low for so long. Yeah. Those plants yeah. have had time to establish themselves that then they are still there. Yeah. So the seed load, like you call it on the land, you call it the seed load of whatever it might be that you're talking about, is is still there in that system. Uh, so there's still gotcha. X amount of potential weed growth and and it's not weed growth is still contained within that water. So it's yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. it's possibly a stability that has allowed that weed and the snot weed to grow over all those yep. decades really. Yeah. So that that's been able to grow and establish and you know make these massively 
you know, food-rich environments for everything. And now that, it's there to stay. It's there to stay. That potential growth is like they're waiting. Is that why, let's say that Burrinjuk gets such bad blue-green algae blooms every year because it's had them in the past that whatever it is, is there ready to bloom again the next year? Um, Same concept, possibly, sort of? Yeah, I, th- I think blue-green algae is probably a little bit... I mean, blue-green algae is based on your nutrient load within the water. And so yeah. it's always going to be worse when there is those big runoff years. So, so Windermere should be pretty bad this summer. I would imagine, yes. Yeah, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, it's not some nasty old chemical or anything like that. It can yeah, obviously a little bit of fertilizer and stuff like that's going to increase the likelihood of blue green algae. But it's also just the organic nutrients. load in the water that the organic as yeah. it's breaking down nutrients in the water. It's just it just harbors growth for that sort of algae. So yeah, I dare say it would be pretty nasty, but the the fish don't care. Yeah, so how good um, Windermere will be, I, I imagine it's going to be epic, especially for the next two seasons. Um, yeah. The, the, the one big thing, though, for me was the fact that there's probably, as an assumption, well, I know it's tripled in size by water volume. I'm going to say a rough stab just by being there and feeling it. You've probably got twice the amount of bank, if not a little uh-huh. bit more. If you go down to the dam wall, the bank is pretty much exactly the same except for a couple of the bays, even all the way from the boat ramp to the dam wall. The yeah. only thing you've got extra in terms of bank is your bays, um, like Ironstone Creek's got stacks more right. bank there. Huge. But yep. some of those sort of grassy edges or rolly hills, it's just they've shifted up a bit. There's no extra bank That's really. All. That's right. Um, yep. Some are less, to be honest. Some have big long points when it's lower. But That's right. a couple yep. of the big bays... And the river arm. River arm is massive now. The river arm is huge, and there is quite a few fish that have moved up into it as well. So, yeah. Um, that's so the fish have spread. spread. Yeah. So the fish have spread. So those days where you used to pull up, you know, you might have had 20 or 30 fish along a bank or a point. Now it might be 10 or 15. So at the end yeah. of the day, your catch rate will, your days, your, your sessions won't be as epic as they were. But if you figure them out, they still could be. They could be even better, actually, if you work them out where they are, where the concentrations are, which we worked out on that trip. Mate, that was a good you, session. Yeah, uh, yeah, as we know, you find that pocket, you find that hot spot, purple patch, whatever you want to call it, it's it's on. It's so yeah, good. fish every other cast. So still possible to get those really good sessions. What we'll do is we'll run through our trip Um Mm-hmm. rough run through of what we did, how it goes, how the, the filming side of it goes, what we created, the content, some of the funny stuff that happened. But before we do, I'm just gonna I'm just looking at a stocking history for Windermere. It's been consistently stocked with yellows between twenty thousand and fifty thousand every year. Um, there was a bit of a lull in, in 12, 13, 14, um, but they dropped in seventy thousand in fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, and that could quite possibly be that class. They dropped in fifty thousand yeah. in fifteen sixteen. They dropped in fifty thousand each year after thirty five thousand. Nothing in twenty, um, and another fifty thousand twenty one. The That's other thing to note is the stock. Rate. Yeah, I know Blaring and Barrenjuk sit between the one hundred and one fifty, I think, but the body of water is nowhere near the size. The no, one thing to note right, here. Yeah. 
is the cod stocking has really increased. There was bugger all cod stocking in 2010, nothing in 2011, bugger all in 2012, 2013, we've got 30,000, and from there, it picks up 40,000 nearly every year, bar the last 18, 19, there was none, and then there's been more cod stocking. So there's a big cod class from 2013, 14 through to 17. There's over 160,000 cod there. So they're not big ones. They're not those big ones that are being caught, but there's going to be more and more cod in that system. wonder if it'll affect the yeah. others. I don't think it will, but they'll obviously become a food source for the cod. They will. They will. I think that's the yellows in Windermere have got more chance than anywhere else of surviving because of their growth rate, I think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Might not be an issue for them too much. Not for too long anyway. Run us through. So we got there. We got to the lake on... So we went uh, last weekend. We got yep. to the lake on Saturday? Sunday? What day did we go? Sunday. Oh. Sunday, yeah, Sunday. Yep. Sunday, shut up. I come to your place. Um, I travelled up by myself. We took two boats. Young fella, Dill, come with us. Um, yep. And I want you to mention too his overall experience of the trip, if you're happy to share. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. So that, we got yep. there. We actually, and also one of the, yeah, a couple of things you said. It's just funny. Come fishing with. How old is he? Dill's 14. 14. I actually forgot. You know, some of the funny stuff kids say. Well, he's still, he's not a kid anymore, but still. No, he is, funny. but he isn't. So, run us through. Yeah. We got out there on the Sunday Arvo for a real quick session. Uh, we actually yep. met up with Jonathan Bleakley. He was there and he was fishing with, and we got to hang out for an Arvo and a night, the yep. one and only Steve Starling. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty cool. Can you tell us what happened on the, we'll go back to the whole storyline, but what happened on the, Sunday night when Jono come down and asked for some sauce. <laughs> uh, that's a really funny one, actually. Um, and I guess I kind of underestimated um, Dill's sort of recognition for, you know, Steve Starling. And I'm not really, I still don't really know whether it's just because I've sort of spoken about him and recognise him and things like that, or whether Dill has some, you know, cottoned yep. on to just how much he means to the industry sort of thing. But um, anyway, so... Because you're down, saying he was a lot bigger when you were younger rather than his oh, age. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was up and coming in the days of Rex Hunt fishing and things like that and being on TV. So, and that sort of um, coverage doesn't happen anymore for, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the names from that era, you don't sort of hear yep. or see as much of, even though Steve's doing a fair bit um, of different stuff these days, but you don't sort of see it in that mainstream um, stuff like we're used to. Yeah. So anyway, we are cooking a feed. I think we might have been finished. And Jono and Steve are up in their cabin doing the same thing. Jono comes sort of walking down and just says, oh, I've just been up there cooking some sausages. And Steve just said, It'd be really great if we had some sauce. Anyway, so Jono says, "Right, yeah, we'll go and see the other boys." Walks down. Dill says, "Jono says, oh, you know, we got any sauce?" Blah blah. blah. Dill comes out, hands the sauce. Right, yeah, Jono goes off. Anyway, well, I don't know. It must have been. I don't know. Maybe straight five away. or two minutes later. Was it straight away? Yeah. And Dylan just sort of. I don't has know. This you told gaze, me pretty good. I didn't hear it. This sort of gaze, and he just sort of looks over, and it's that you just you. You just wouldn't know about it, would you? 
you know, just out here fishing, the next thing you know, your lending source to Steve Starling. He was, and then, then after all that, we'll be packing up. The source is sitting out there the last day of the trip, and Dill says, Don't forget to grab the Starlo source. <laughs> and I just. How funny. Cracks you up, the stuff that, yeah, he comes out with. And he was just, yeah, it's the Starlo source, and I'm pretty sure it's been put aside somewhere. It's just a bloody bottle of tomato Did he really? sauce. For, yeah, it's like that's the Starlo source. <laughs> well, and yeah, he said it no with idea. full intent too, eh? Like, oh yeah, it wasn't just yep. a joke. He was like, you wouldn't yep. believe it. You just, you just wouldn't read about it, Dad. Here we are, lending horse to Steve Stahl. <laughs> oh, uh, that's funny because yeah. that was after he met him, and he was really excited to meet him because you said back there he's like, that was so good to meet him, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. but that happened that night after all of that, well, and the... he was so funny. Yeah. There's the whole background story of, you know, when Dylan was, you know, before Dylan was actually born, our nickname for him was Squidgy. So when we used to go to the yeah. doctors and get the ultrasound done and there was a picture, that was a picture of Squidgy. You know, so there's that, yeah, that association right. with that brand, which was Steve and Bushy's brand back then. That's been going on for a long time. So Yeah. Yeah, so there's a fair bit of backstory to it. So he's yeah, pretty famous in our house. Pretty funny. Oh, yeah, it, was, um, it was, yeah. And that was that day before we headed yep. out. The day was rubbish. Like we knew the day was a write-off fishing-wise. Starlo Windy. and Jono struggled. Yeah. You might have seen Starlo's post. He caught one fish for the day, but he did pick the worst day to be out there. It felt like the mm. middle of winter. It, water was 13 degrees, but it was so icy and it was a crack and low barometer. Um, yeah. Late in the day... We got out there. I did a bit of filming with Starlo and Jono, followed him around. I didn't fish all that much. You managed to catch two fish quite late in the day. You only hopped yep. two spots because it was white capping, so there wasn't many yeah. spots you could pick. Um, yeah. Run us through for people listening who might have kids or teenagers and they struggle, <laughs> just explain what can happen and that everyone out there is not on their own and it's not just happening yeah. to them and it happens to everybody who has a 14-year-old son. 100% it does. What happened it, that afternoon? Well, we, you know, it's it had obviously, it was a pretty early start to the day and then you drive, you know, you spend five hours on the road and you're doing, you know, it's a pretty full-on sort of thing. You get out on the water finally, the wind's been blowing a gale, you're possibly a little bit tired and we're casting into the wind at this stage on this little grassy point and I knew that we were on fish so I think I'd caught one, I might have even caught you two caught by then. two, yeah you had. And so I'm pretty enthusiastic about getting Dill onto a fish so it's sort of like, you know, come on mate, let's get on with it sort of thing. He casts, it wraps, I think on his rod tip. Anyway, there's a bit of loose line. It ends up under the spool. He then winds it under the spool for three or four turns. <laughs> I grab hold of the rod and like, right here, we've got to get this sorted. We're running out of light. Let's get this done. Anyway, the line's under the spool. It's wrapped around the rod tip. It's a real show. He's got 20 metres of line out there now flailing in the wind. We've got an electric motor holding us on the spot. So there's all sorts of things going on. And he turns around and says to me, the wind done it. <laughs> now, for anyone out there listening, just 
I'm sure that there is plenty of fathers, mothers out there right now just thinking, oh man, I've been in that situation before. You know full well, as the parent and the more experienced angler, there is no way in hell that the wind <laughs> has wrapped that line around the underside of the spool four times. But you also know that there is no way in hell that a 14-year-old is going to admit that if, one, he made a mistake, and two, he made it bloody worse. <laughs> oh, and so, so the, good. I think the, 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 the message, the moral to the story is, yes, it does happen to everybody, no matter what your experience or what your patience level may be. You are going to run across that occasion if you were out there fishing with kids. I reckon and if I had, sorry, keep going. <laughs> you, I want to hear. I want to hear your comments actually, because you were on the outside say, looking in, having a bit of a giggle. If I had three top moments of the trip, one of them <laughs> would have been the saying "the wind done it" because that was the <laughs> saying for the rest of the trip when something went wrong. Even yep. on the day it was fully glass, something yep, would go wrong and Dill would do something. I said, oh, Dill, the wind did it and he would lose <laughs> it. It was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> so, Dill become that's... the mock of the whole trip because the wind done yeah. it. The wind done it. So yeah. funny. Yeah. So, yeah. No, the memories it, yeah. you have that aren't just fishing related, so good. 100%, mate. Yeah. He won't live that down anytime soon either, I don't think. Now, I think the wind done it has actually come up in our trips before. I've got a vague <laughs> memory of him, of Dylan and Henry, my younger son, having an argument about the wind doing something as well. So, you know, it's a bit of a theme, I think, in our boat. But um, anyway, that's, yeah. For anyone out there listening, when you're out there getting frustrated with your kids, it happens to everyone. Take a breath. You'll get to laugh about it. Probably not at that time, but, you know, Later on in the trip Later. or a few days or the next week, it will be funny. And it was definitely so, funny last night when I was reviewing the footage because I actually <laughs> rocked up to that island and jammed the camera in Dan's face while it was undoing what the wind done. Yeah, and it was funny. Yeah, there was a comment about the, the, the wind, the, something blowing a kite of insanity or sanity. Yeah, you were flying a kite. <laughs> I, said, I, said, what are you do- I said, what are you doing, mate? You're like, oh, you know. Just flying a kite, yeah. <laughs> flying a kite of sanity that's oh. just gone floating up over the hill. <laughs> that was the beginning oh, of the, yeah. the argument with your teenage son. So yes, I'm, yeah. I think I missed the whole wind done it comment, but um, yeah. yeah, that was funny. So anyway, that was that trip. That was the afternoon. Sorry, um, yep. that ended. Uh, the next day, Stalo took off because he was heading off somewhere else. It was kind of an extra part of his trip. Jono jumped in yep. with me. We spent a day on the Monday. Now, we'll, we'll talk through this trip in a fair summary and how the weather changed. But weather, it's early spring. The weather was no good, so the fishing was tough, right? The next day, yeah. we expected it to be tough even though the sun had come out. But we thought the sun on this day is going to help us with Tuesday. So, we had yes. pretty stiff winds, but we had sunlight and a little bit warmer. Jumped to our first spot. We landed one, two, three fish from that spot. Um, yep. One was... Jono caught one, which was a tail-hooked yeller. Doesn't really mm-hmm. count. Well, it does for a fish, but not for us going, yeah, they're biting here. So, we kind of got two fish to bite there. Uh, yep. Smaller. They were all quite smaller. Jono's was about 50. Then we moved mm-hmm. over to another spot. Dill managed to get one. So, we all had a fish each. That was a good yep. sort of rounded 
start. Um, yep. And then it went pretty tough, didn't it? And we struggled through yeah, that middle yeah. of the day period. Yeah, yeah, we did. And I mean, I was, from sort of after that morning session, it was sort of for me, it was almost treating it like research for the following day. Because it was always yep. Tuesday's our pick. You know, we'd looked at the weather, we'd look at it pretty closely all the time prior to a trip, during a trip, and go, rightio, we've got to know where we want to be for Tuesday because it's going to be bang on. The fish is just going to go nuts and, you know, yeah. it'll, all be, it'll all be sweet. But um, yeah, so the middle of the day was kind of tough. Um, when you, what you were talking about there, can you just run us through the overall lesson from the trip? It didn't actually pan out like that, did it? No, about, it you didn't. know Tuesday being was, the pick. So, what's your lesson? Is to treat uh, well, you've every... got to keep you got you got to keep an open mind. You got to be adaptive, and you got to keep an open mind that the hard and fast rules aren't always right. So, if we look at it and go, "Rodeo Monday is supposed to be a so-called rubbish day," it, it's still worth fishing it. Like it's still worth being out there having a decent go, like having a proper crack at it because... Fishing hard too, out, like trying to work it yeah, out. Yeah. Tuesday turned out to be one of our toughest days, even though the weather was Nicest really good. weather was, yeah. You know, it was fairly calm. It was pretty sunny. Um, but we just, I don't know whether we sort of missed the mark or the fishing just wasn't quite right, but the fish weren't quite chilling. I mean, from all accounts, it seemed as though everyone was doing it fairly tough um, yep. on that Tuesday. But yeah, so anyway, back to the Monday, what did we sort of do? We sort of, you know, we hopped a lot. We moved around the dam an awful lot, researching again. Yep. Um, picked off the odd fish here and there. No, no we real... only got the four. We got four in the morning. Deal got one by about one? 10. No, we didn't get yes. the next one until the afternoon session. That was it. We fished was it? all day. With, yeah, yeah. We fished from 10 till nearly 2, 2.30. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up yeah. up the river. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, that sort of led us into that, you know, sort of that afternoon. That afternoon bite heated up pretty well though, didn't it? On that sort of last hour of light, the last two hours. On the so, Monday. yeah, when... When I got home, I actually looked at the barometer and it played a massive role in our bite periods if it lined up with a morning or an afternoon. So, mm. we missed out for some reason Tuesday morning. I don't know why. We caught a couple of fish. I think we got four, but we did do a lot of filming. But there was definitely yep. a bite there which we didn't capitalize on, but we capitalized on the Monday afternoon one because the barometer from 2 o'clock started to skyrocket from the low. Um, well, and we just happened to be on a bank where there were fish and they fed really, yeah. really well. Monday was the, the Monday morning was when we were fishing with Grant, yeah? No, no, that was Tuesday. That was the that next was day. So we had, right. Yeah, so that was the that was the reasonable morning, but then the mid-afternoon period right. slowed down um, and yeah, that was because the barometer thing. sort of tailed off. But the biggest lesson is to, even if you've got a good day or a bad day, still treat every day like you really want to catch fish because with yellows, they will trigger and bite at a random period. Not always yep. just completely random. Usually, it's to do with your spot, the morning or afternoon session, and also the barometer, especially in early spring. And the barometer played a huge role on our trip. So, <clears throat> the barometer and those bite windows were key, um, and they only had to be small changes in the barometer. So, yep. we ended up, we caught 
well, we caught you caught two fish the first afternoon. Then the next day on the Monday, yep. we had a nine fish afternoon. Um, really, yep. really good. Jono got a fish, what, 10 minutes before, 15 minutes before dark, sort of at the last yep. straw. And that was a 59 yep. and a half centimeter yellow. So not only did he finally get one hooked in the mouth for a full day, but he actually caught a cracking fish. He got a good one, and yeah. Yep. Dill got a really nice one right two casts after. Almost the same time. Um, yeah, yep. Yep. Then the Tuesday, we had another good, like still was a good day. We still got uh, good numbers of fish. I ended up getting four in yep. half an hour right on last light um, once we worked yep. them out. So there was mm. that little short bite window there. Um, and then yep. run us through, because what I want to talk about is our trip, the content, what we we're there to do, what we created. Um, but the, we'll actually talk about the last session in a minute. Run us through. So what we do is we go out, run us through what we actually do on a trip. We go out, uh, we film. Yep. On the, I filmed stuff with Starlo and Jono. Then on the yep. uh, Sunday night, I recorded a podcast for Jono's podcast and Guesty's podcast with Starlo. So yep. we're yep. up till 10 o'clock that night. I recorded that. Um, yep. Then we got up early, a bunch of filming around like the camp, the cabins, getting the boat on the water, footage of us taking off. Like everyone else took off way before us. We were still there mucking around filming. And we'll run us through what we do out on the water too. Like you were telling me that we probably would have caught a lot more fish if we didn't film. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and the biggest part of that is, you know, when we are trying to produce a film like this on such an iconic um, piece of water, you really want to put the time and effort into making it right. You want to get it right. You want to cover all those really important factors about the waterway about catching the fish, the techniques, the locations, the lures, the gear, the whole, you know, you want to do a good job. You've got to get it right. So we would roll into a bank that we'd, you know, done research, you know, whether it was on that trip or from other contributors to the social fishing membership that we've been in touch with. And you roll up, you work, you get a fish, all the fishing gear gets put down. The camera yep. gear is out because, you know, and it, it, it's so true that you, if you catch a fish, you're very, very likely to catch, you know, another fish or two or three or four or five within that sort of half an hour to an hour period, right? Yeah, even shorter sometimes with yellows. That's right. But three quarters of that time we use to make sure that we can explain to members exactly how we've done it. So yep. we want to make sure that we cover all those little intricate details at the detriment to our overall catch rate because that's, I mean, the most important thing for us out there is to be able to create quality content that's going to help people get out there and replicate our sort of results. Yeah, yeah so we so, do well. all the research leading up to it you know, the day before on the water, yes, it was rubbish days, whatever it might have been. We get out there on a really nice day, cracking weather, catch a fish, and then stop fishing. You're going to miss those peak times. Like, you're really just... Not capitalizing on them. 100%. And they've, they're pretty short because it is spring, it's golden perch, and that's exactly how it rolls every single time, whether it be a first light, a last light, a barometer change, 
something's going to trigger them and it could only trigger them for an hour at a time or even half an hour at a time. And yeah. they can really fire up in that half an hour. Especially so, when you're on the spot where they are too. Like you could cast in two casts later and get another one. Exactly right. Yeah, double hookups. I mean, what did we have? Like three double hookups for that trip? The first three fish that you and I caught were doubles. So my first yeah. three and your first three were all double hookups. Even though it was tough yeah. going, we still... Yeah. Oh, other than the two, sorry, that you caught two, the first Arvo, yeah. but that next day, they were yeah. doubles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every single time. So, you know, so, yeah, we could quite easily... What did we... We worked out we caught 41 for the trip. Yeah, and you we, reckon we could have caught in excess of 70. Oh, easily. When we spoke to Henry um, at the start of the, the filming when we are at my place... And Henry said, oh, I think you guys are going to catch 30. If anyone hasn't heard, you might have heard us mention that Copeton, Henry, my youngest son, does a little bit of a prediction before each trip. If we ask him, Rodeo, what are we going to, how many are we going to catch? What are we going to catch? Mm. Who's going What's to get the biggest? biggest? So Henry's prediction for this trip was 30 fish. And I said to him at the time, mate, we're going to do, we could, I reckon we could double that. We could catch 60. And yeah. I stand by that. I, I stand by that we would have been able to exceed sixty easily if we had just fished. If we didn't put so much effort into making sure we could share everything with, um, you know, members for that film and for the tips and all that sort of stuff, we could have quite easily have, you know, doubled his prediction because in my head I wasn't sort of thinking so much about it. I'm just thinking, right, yeah, we're just out for a fishing trip at that stage. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I was probably sort of a little bit swept up in the, you know, it's early spring, we're going and windy, we're going to really slay them out there sort of thing. And we did. I mean, I, and then I, I, we did quite well, but there was a yeah, hell of a lot of camera work and stuff that goes into it, um, you know, just to create that really valuable content for people to, you know, see other people out there achieving, you know, what we're sort of able to do. So that's the essence of sort of what we do out there for the membership, isn't it? Like that's how yeah. our whole trips are evolved. Because around. of that. Because of that. And yeah. I that's think why we that's go. probably, that's why we go. And that's, I think that's what makes the membership so valuable for people too. There is, you know, there is so much, quality content and information in there. And if you were, you know, if you look at a trip, say for us, for instance, by the time we fuel up a car and a boat, we buy tucker, we buy lures, we've got fresh line on for spring, our leaders, our little bits and pieces on the side, our assist hooks and whatever else we've got to get. You add all those things up into a trip, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars, right? Well, I just filled up my car half an hour before we sat down to record this and my jerry cans that go on my boat and it hit 320 bucks and it was full before I left and I haven't been anywhere else. So it cost me 320 bucks in fuel to go to Windy. Um, yeah. We, we, we went with a cabin, but even if we camped, it would have cost us, what, the cabin cost 380 Um Yeah. Uh, you got a couple of lures for me, I think, because you're in Wagga, and I still owe you nearly a hundred bucks for four lures. Which you know, for, for people out there listening, if if you were to not buy four lures, if you were to buy three lures, 
that extra, you know, 25 bucks for that one lure, you could spend in the membership and gain all this masses of information that we collect while we're out there, not only our trip from other contributors, the whole massive pool of information is all available to people for a pretty damn low price when you compare it to the overall scheme of a fishing trip. And I mean, we don't really travel all that far. I mean, it was what, five hours for you? Yeah. With all the crappy roads and stuff that we had to sort of travel because it's all busted up from the rain. It's about four hours from my place. But there's people that travel from Victoria that yep. come up to fish that dam. They they travel from up north and come south to fish Windermere because it's, you know, it's Windermere. And, you know, they're spending, they could be spending $1,000 on a trip. And the thing you're saying is that we're creating content if you're, like, we've worked it out and the value that you can get in in catching more fish from knowing what you're doing is so right. important. It's, like, changes your trip. I was just talking to you earlier about, you know, we, we do these trips to spend time with people. You know, we enjoy company, you know, the, the funny things that happen. But we could have done that at Blaring and saved ourselves a heap of money yep. and not caught fish. Absolutely. We want to go to Windermere to catch fish. Like, you want to, any fishing trip you do, you want to go down the Murray to ch- catch a big cod on surface or whatever your goal is. You know, you yep. want to go to Eildon and catch a big fish. And you're just using Windermere as this example. There's obviously yeah. content on all the other places we fish as well. But, you know, you want to go and have fun. So... It's not just windy too. It's other the, the other iconic places like Copeton. People travel from all over Australia to go and fish Copeton during, you know, their peak cod season. Yeah. If you're going to invest that amount of time and money to go and fish a waterway, you need to take, and particularly if it's not a waterway you're familiar with. And I mean, even myself, I haven't fished a spring at Windermere for a couple of seasons. And so for me, without... It, that information available, you, you're going to burn like half your trip, if not your whole trip, without you're missing out. Like you could really have a trip of a lifetime with this information. We actually had info before we went. Hey, like we, we did. had, we 100%. did. We obviously fished it, but we had info from. Um, we have a contributor in there who writes a monthly report. So we had the monthly yep. report that went up. Um, he fished the AYC. A couple of our members fished the AYC. They put up posts yep. on what they were doing, what they were catching them on. So we went and applied that, but we went and spent four days there as well, um, worked them out over those four yep. days and then published. Um, so what we were there to do, we were there to, f- we created a film, which is still coming, but we actually created a trip report. So everything we're yep. talking about and what you're talking about, Dan, with what we did there and the time we spend to create the film, but also the time we spend to create videos and tips. And we learned a lot about the system. I come home, put together a trip report. It's six thousand, it's massive. It's six thousand words. This is what we did for Y Angler as well. You guys might have yep. heard about our Y Angler trip. So many of our members caught fish off the back of that Y Angler trip report. One, for example, was the podcast I did with Ben. Just go just go listen to that. It's a whole yep. example of what we're talking about. So the trip report yep has that value in it that can then change your trip is pretty much. Exactly. Honestly, you you could swap out half the gear that you take on a trip for this information and catch way more fish with half the amount of gear just by having this package. Like it, it's, 
like it's it's huge. There's just so much information. And it's not out of date information. It is accurate, up to date, as it happened. You know, take this info, read it, research it, take it with you, and catch more fish. Like it, it's a, yeah, it's a no brainer. So going back to what you're talking about with how we caught 41, could have caught probably a few more. What we actually do is explain we catch a fish you know we film the fish let it go pretty quick yep. but then i'll point yep. the camera at you and you'll be like so this is what i did there goes a couple of minutes then i'll do tight shots mm-hmm. of you casting so what we're going to release is a film we created uh the mighty murray film you may have seen it epic bit of it's more of a film yeah. rather than a tip so we have stacks of tip videos techniques demonstrations that teach you how to fish in the membership but a lot of you got a lot of members wanted you know just that whole feeling that whole sit down on the couch on a sunday and watch something the murray river film was a massive success so many people have watched it multiple times because it's just enjoyable to watch like a show um, a story of a journey so i thought windermere yeah. being as iconic as it is i've done some vlog videos there before just with the GoPro on that, I thought, let's put in the time and effort to create this film. So, yeah. one of the days, I think on the Tuesday, I fished for a maximum of two hours. I fished it, yeah. not even, I didn't even start the session. I just filmed you. Um, I fished for an hour mid-morning and then I fished for an hour at last light. So, I flew the drone, you know, did close-ups, got you and Dill talking to the camera. So that's what we our main goal there was to do. Obviously, our other goal was to create this trip report content. Um, we actually sat down and did a trip recap video. That's the first one we've ever done, which I really enjoyed. We yeah. yeah. So I actually I, look forward to watch to watching that back myself. You haven't seen it? Just no, I have oh, no, I haven't watched it yet. But I just yeah, it was a really good candid sort of um, recap, which. I, even myself, I think I need to make sure that I reinforce the things that we spoke about because it was all like as like it was on the trip. So it doesn't yeah. get any more fresh and real than, than that. So I, it'll be something that I'll watch before I go back to Windermere in spring again for sure. Yeah, in the years to come. So yeah, yeah. same with yeah. the trip report. The trip report's ideal for that. But this recap was Dan and I just dumping everything of every moment that happened and i said at the start of the video it'll go for like 20 25 minutes end up going for an hour and a quarter and i was like at the end of it dan's like oh you're not gonna be happy that went for over an hour i was like no that was so good we basically explained everything explained the lessons and anyway we did that um i put the trip report up the night after i got home the recap video the night after that uh but one thing that was huge in all of that was Grant caught Grant Higginson's a mate of ours. Um, knows how to fish. Great angler. He was up there at yep. the same time as us. On the Monday, uh, sorry, the Sunday when we fished for two hours, they went out. I think they got three in their boat from memory. Yeah, three or four. Yep. The next day, Grant there was three of them in the boat or two of them in the boat, and they caught one so, yeah. yellow, one yellow, and we caught thirteen. Yeah, he had a he had a really um, tough day. Tough he was. Day. Um, yeah, he was like really surprised to hear that we'd caught 13 fish. Well, he came over, didn't he? And he goes, oh, how was the session? I was like, well, where yeah. was yours? He goes, got one? Yeah. I was like, oh, he's not going to like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I, I'm, and I'm sure because like you say, he's, he's a pretty good angler. He knows how to fish. I'm sure he was expecting us to say, oh, you know, we've done it really tough today. And although we yep. didn't, you know, we didn't light the world on fire, we still had a pretty decent day considering 
you know, the amount of fishing slash camera work that we actually done. Mm-hmm. And we sort of got chatting and I think it was Grant actually said himself, he said, I feel like I got stuck in the screen all day, which was one of his issues where he was using the live tech too much and discounting, you know, discounting those the, the fish that were actually feeding. So he's chasing fish that are just sort of milling around. Yeah, you can get the odd one to chew, but they're not really the ones that are actually keyed into actually feeding. And this is a big so, thing we talked about in winter with the cod. Same thing, same principle. Yeah. Is yeah. getting stuck on inactive fish. Yeah, and that's what he basically, you know, I think as soon as he heard that we'd caught 13 and he'd only got the one, it tweaked to him straight away. Straight away, he fish in the same water, same day, same weather conditions, same spots. He was the bank opposite us during the session. We were getting all the bites. Like he was on a very similar bank. Yeah, and so he it 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 was like a light switch straight away. He went, oh man, I've just I've just fished completely wrong. And it's so easy to do because when you're running that light tech stuff, the fish are right there in front of you. It's just like let's put a lure on it. Oh, you get a little bit of interest from one, it leads you on to the next one and on to the next one. Next thing you know, blown three hours, you're in a 50-meter stretch of water chasing inactive fish. Yep. That was one of the things too. There was multiple things and it wasn't the bank he was fishing. Well, it wasn't the lure he was fishing. There was like three main things that he did wrong, which was so simple. But we said to him, like, we said, follow us out in the morning. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. And I was like, we'll show well, you what we're doing. Like, we... Sp- we spoke about the technique that we were using that night. You, you so his retrieve was wrong as well. Yeah. You, so you give him a quick overview. Like you say, he's in the same waterway, fishing very, very close by. It wasn't like he wasn't on an area that didn't have fish on it. But he wasn't fishing the active fish, and he wasn't fishing the active fish with the right technique either. Yeah, so I just want to mention that retrieve. When Grant asked you know, what were you doing? I actually said, we, you know, the retrieve, it's a shaking retrieve. And I grabbed, I jumped on the grass out in front of the cabin and I tried to explain it, but it's a bit hard to explain on the grass. And he's like, really, is that what you're doing? But you had to get the shake right. Like it had to be bang on. For example, yep. we fished, dill fish side by side with us the entire trip. And, you know, between you and I, Dan, we landed like 37 fish, I think. And yep. Dill got a couple and Jono got a couple and they just couldn't quite get the shake right. Even though they were right beside us, they still had to get it. You had to get it right. And it was that particular. Grant picked it up after watching us do it a few times and us explaining and just tweaking the action. And it, there's a video we've, we run through. It's a bit hard to explain it in a podcast exactly how we do that retrieve. And there's a full video on that inside the membership platform, a couple of videos actually. So you can check them out in more detail to get it right. But it was so critical to get it right. Like you really had to to get the retrieve right because it made a massive difference well, to your success rate. He then took that information the very next day and what did he catch? His, the first bank, he's like five or six fish. They, him and his brother followed us out um, yep. and we're like, here, just watch exactly what we do. And yep. I think his brother caught the first fish beside us and then yes. we hopped yep. to the next bank because the bank wasn't right. We hopped a couple of banks yep, and then... The de- no, no, because I'm just, I know, the, I know where you're going, but that was their first lesson on the water was just how quick we moved. Yes, that was one lesson. Yeah, that was one of the three. So the live tech, he was too busy yep. looking at inactive fish. Um, he spent too long in each spot. 
you know, we moved around yep. a lot more than he did. Um, so we, we jumped a couple of spots quickly, but he followed us. So we were fishing. We had three boats side by side. There's a drone photo of us. Yeah. Three boats. I wasn't fishing. I was filming. But And you, yeah. bang, straight up, you got one. And I think yeah. just as yours hit the boat, he was on. That's on. right, yeah. And then that yeah. morning session, he ended up, they ended up boating five fish and I think we boated four or you boated four. So yeah. in a four-hour window or a three-and-a-half-hour window, he caught five fish compared to his one fish from the day before. Completely turned his trip around, just like click of a finger. Crazy, just, eh? Just by picking up on those few, you know, very, very, very important differences and it, it just – he could have gone home really thinking, you know, geez, uh, yeah. if he hadn't had any contact with us at all, he might have thought, oh, the dam's just completely shut down at the moment. It's too cold. But that he had been able to speak to us and gone, you know, shit, those guys have got fish. What, what the hell have I done wrong? You know, so it could have been a completely different – Grant driving out the gate compared to the one that probably drove out and went, geez, that was really, really good because, you know, I adapted and caught fish and, you know, that's that's epic. Well, that's amazing to be able to turn it I from a one-fish day to, you know, a five or six-fish morning. Yeah. That's and I th- pretty major think the, the big thing with the way you and I sort of fish is that we understand yellows are a fish that can do so many different things during a session and they're very adaptable. Different things trigger them, different retrieves trigger them at every different location. So we're always trying to work it out. So something big when you guys head out for a session is you got to mix it up. Because we had so many days, it really helped us um, in mixing it up. We also used techniques that we'd applied in the past at similar periods of the year that worked. Um, that, that And you just can't get stuck in the one retrieve even if it's worked before you try it if it doesn't work you mix it up you try some a different retrieve you try a different lure you try different spots because we went actually before i talk about that i'm going to talk about how we thought that some days they shut down i'm going to talk about last day and the lessons we learned on our last day but before we do just to go back to what happened with grant that trip report went up i think i put it up the night after and one there was a couple of members that have already messaged me from fish they've caught but one had fished the week before and had caught nothing really struggled i think they got a hit for a full day session and then they read the trip report they went out for a morning session on the sun this sunday just gone or saturday and they caught 11 fish in a half day session that's went huge like that's so good and he's like i was doing the wrong thing change the retrieve yep. change the lure the technique yeah found the fish i was fishing the right spots they yeah. just wouldn't. Obviously, it was a different time of year. Like, you know, it was a bit cooler two weeks ago. So, obviously, the day might not have been as nice as well. I know the weekend was a really nice yeah, yeah. day. But going off Grant fishing side by side with us, or not side by side, but the same dam, same spots. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. just another example there of that you just got to get that technique right. Oh, it's just, you got to get things right. At Windermere at the minute, it was the technique and the lures. At other systems, or if we go down, you know, the river on a trip down the Murray, you got to get the flows right. You know, you got to get the river yep. level right. Um, whatever it is, wherever it is, that's that's what we're there to do. And try and figure out. Um, so run us through yeah. this last day. You're we're talking about how you know you could just give in to yellows and you know they all shut down. You were telling yep. me that somewhere in this dam there is some fish biting. 
Yeah. That conversation actually first came up when I caught up with Steve and Jono on the Sunday. So they cruised past me, and then I know they cruised past you as well, just before I cruised across to that spot where I got a couple of fish. So yep. he cruised up and said, oh, you know, here you go and get any bites. And I, and I said, no, look, I haven't had any luck here. I don't think we're fishing in a spot where the fish are feeding. It just, it sort of, you know, because I'm running the live stuff, I could see a few fish sort of milling around, and I knew there was fish in the area, so I just kept fishing up nice and shallow, knowing that that's, you know, how I wanted to do it and things like that. I didn't want to sort of get stuck in the screen and any of that sort of stuff. Kept plugging away, and I just wasn't feeling like it was the right spot to fish for a feeding right. fish. Stacks of fish there, yep. but, but, but they weren't the ones that we were going to catch because they weren't feeding in that area. So, so you were in like the back of a bay too. So you were forced, yep. we were forced in there because of the wind, and you actually That's, preferred to fish out out of banks. So you yep, dealt with yeah, the wind, every, didn't you? Yeah. So it was sort of it got to that point where you know you look up and go, oh, the trees have started to slow down a little bit. The water doesn't look quite so choppy because it was proper white capping when we first came into this bay. When I pulled back out again, I said to Dill, I said, "This actually won't be too bad. I think when we get behind that little bit of a bank, we'll." we should be okay and so we sort of we fished into the wind which of course you know wrapped the line under the spool and all that business but you know, <laughs> the wind. The wind how about is, the before wind i cut terrible. you off and let you go any further how the white caps i just want to mention how bad were they i actually was <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about i was driving yeah. the boat in front of you and yep. my boat's so small, I didn't want to go into the wind and then across and then back down to get in this bay. Like, that's how bad they were. So, what I do is actually a handy tip that I actually learned from you, um, yep. unlike some other tips and other things that I definitely come up with on my own that oh, weren't yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Dan claims that I stole his idea, which I never claimed it and never said I stole it. Even though I think I still half come up with it, but that was I all to do with, did. I think we've talked about it before. Um, that's yeah. all to do with uh, the fish sensing leader. That's a discussion for a whole nother time, which was is very interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, this was, I was driving straight across the white cap. So, what I actually did was I trimmed the motor right up as high as I, I trimmed it right up and sat it at like, it would have been like 2,500, uh, 25,000? 25,000, 100, 100 revs. Anyway, it's like that mid pace and like just punch the nose into the air. So the nose was sitting really high. So that way I didn't get soaked by these waves coming over the side of the gunnel. So I was able to bash through. <laughs> and what happened with you coming in behind? <laughs> well, the, the, the attitude of your boat is such that if you're in your boat, just think of trying to create the biggest wake you possibly can, Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I was what, doing. That's what, that's what Reese's boat looked like. The trouble is, <laughs> I didn't actually see him creating this massive wake at the time. And so when I've come around the bend, all I can see is white caps. So I'm doing 50-something K an hour, going everything's sweet. I'm just skipping across these white caps. I'm in a little bit of a bigger boat. Everything's sweet. Well, everything wasn't sweet because just as I turned to then come around into the bay, I've hit Reese's wake. And oh. it, I hit the first one. It's you like did. no, it's okay. it's okay. It'll be fine. Hit the second one. And it's really not fine. Back off just in time for the third one to whip right up over the gunnel and completely <laughs> drench 
both Dylan and I, we actually came to a complete standstill and we're just like, this is freezing. We didn't have wet weather gear or anything on at the time because it was only windy, not actually wet. But we were bloody drenched. We were soaked. The man in the small tinny that normally gets wet from white caps managed to get all the way there before you did. And yes, didn't get wet and was dry and did, yeah, yeah, and we did. Yeah, good oh, one. Was, I didn't even yeah. know that happened. Didn't even know it happened was, until you caught up to me and you like, I oh, hit your your wake. <laughs> you wouldn't have even seen it. It would have been mixed no, in with white well, caps. I, yeah, I asked you. Well, you you weren't on the plane then, were you? And you're like, no. Nah. I was like, nose right up. I'm like, yeah, I know you were. Yeah, she oh, was a good one. She is a good one. Anyway, that's how windy anyway. it was. But what were you saying? Yeah. You, um, you moved so, out to the point. Yeah. So it was like, rightio, we've got to make a move because we've been fishing here. We're now into golden hour. Like if we weren't getting a bite where we were, we needed to move because we should have been getting a bite. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. So we shot across um, to this other spot and um, I think I picked up a fish within five minutes of being there. So yeah. um, straight away, it's like, you know, yes, I was right. We weren't fishing in an area where fish were feeding. I've now mm-hmm. found them, and within another, I don't know, it wouldn't have been too much longer, I rang you again and said, look, I'm onto a second fish here. They were only small fish, but fish nonetheless. So it was a really good example of going, rightio, you were here, you've fished this for, you know, I'd probably fish that I think we'd, well, we'd been in that bay for a good hour, maybe yeah, a little bit more. longer. Yeah. And three boats in there, no bites. So like, this is yeah. not right. We've got to, you know, just put up with the wind. Like I said, it had died down enough to be able to get across there by this stage. Make a move because there is going to be fish feeding somewhere right now because this is what happens. It's Yes, it's been windy, but it's also been sunny. It's spring and the fish somewhere are going to be feeding. And so, yep. yeah, made the move, found the fish, caught the fish, which just illustrates, you know, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to move about. You've got to find that bite um, somewhere. And Rather than giving in to saying this day's crap, they're not going to feed. Yeah. It's too cold, yep. it's too windy, which it was. It was rubbish. Don't expect it to go off its nutter and catch heaps. But yep. you're still of the belief that yep. there's got to be a fish somewhere feeding. And we went out, explain what happened on our final day, our Wednesday. Well, that's what I was going to say. We built our final session was building up the whole way through because we'd fished this spot a couple of times. We'd picked up fish each time and there was potential there sort of simmering away our whole trip. So this Wednesday, the final day, well... Tuesday... We had to catch one fish. But Tuesday afternoon, it was like, rightio, deal, we're going to have a sleep in tomorrow because it's going to be pouring down with rain. So we're going to have to tidy things up today. By lunchtime on the Tuesday or early afternoon, it's like, sorry, deal, we're not doing the sleep in anymore because the rain's now pushed back until, you know, tomorrow afternoon. So then, you know, we sort of rejigged what our plan was going to be. And we thought, okay, so we'd caught fish up the river. We knew what bank they were sort of feeding on. 
we don't have a whole lot of time. We don't have a full day on the water. We don't want to be too far from the ramp when it does actually start pouring rain. So we'll head yeah. up the river and we'll go and just catch them there. We'll finish out the film, wrap things up, you know, tie it in a nice neat bow and off we go. Yeah. We fished from... It was a good morning. Felt good. Oh, it was a beautiful morning. It was warm, calm. Overcast. You know, it, Glassy. Yeah. Felt like... Yeah, we're going to smash them here for this morning. And we didn't. No, we, we didn't did not. F- <laughs> we didn't get... I didn't even get close, it didn't feel like. I think I had one miss nah. on a jerk. Two and on one little bank. tiny tap on a vibe, soft vibe. I got a tiny little touch and yeah. you missed one on a jerk bait. Yeah. And so it's like, radio. this is not working up here. Again, it wasn't working. <laughs> We should have been on fish. It was everything with the kidneys is right. Barometer, the weather, glass on the bank that they were feeding on previous were yep. past tense. Yeah, it's not working. We're Definitely. not getting a fish. Radio, make a move. We then motored back down past the caravan park, back and started hopping back a few down spots, the dam and just started going. Zigzag, radio, check yep. there, check there, check there. And, and we did, you end up catching one for our film, but they still, like, one, you worked for that one. It was 10.30, 11 o'clock by that stage. And we got the one fish, which was good for wrapping up our film, and that's when we thought we still want to catch some fish. Even if it starts to rain on us, we still want to just get a few. And I remember yep. asking you the question, because we fished along a bank. We fished along a really good bank. It had like 20 fish cruising back and forth. Remember the one where they, we were chasing them on the jerk baits, and you mm-hmm. were casting under my boat because you're like, they are right up on this bank everywhere and they mm-hmm. wouldn't chew. And we'd already hopped one, yep. two, three, four banks. And I said, yep. maybe they're shut down. Maybe the barometer's yep. crashed and they're just not biting and we could grind it out all day for one or two. And what did you yep. say to me? You said there's got to be fish biting somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Same same principle as the previous time when I sort of made that move. There's got to be. There's got to be fish feeding somewhere because everything else is is it's all right. Everything else is right. So, what do you mean by right? Well, like the conditions are not terrible. That's right. So, like I said, it was very fishable morning because it was calm. It was glass like it was glass yep. calm. So you were yep. open to all different lures, so we're able to use different lures, different techniques, different retrieves. Fish any bank. So fish any bank, so we weren't restricted. So realistically, we should have been able to find a fish within three hours of being on the water. Like that's and it took four hours to get that first one, four and a half, and then yep. we went and fished some vertical trees just because we thought, oh, if we fish the trees vertically, we might be able to get dill onto one. Because he hadn't caught yeah, a fish and also, and by this stage we were starting to think. Because I remember the conversation, we were starting to think, radio, let's see if we can find members an option for when the place shuts down. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I said I really want to. Yeah, because I said, what do I tell someone? Yeah. What? How do I explain how to chase yellows when it's tough? I asked you that. Yep. I was like, so do I just say, oh, some days can be tough, and you have to grind it out and change yep. different techniques and change spots and you might only get two or three and that could happen like it definitely could happen um 
and yellows can be tough. Like I've had tough sessions before, yep. especially at other waterways like a, a Burrinjack yep. or a Blaring or, you know, an Eildon where, where it can be tough. Definitely. But you're like, this is Windermere and they were chewing yesterday. Yes. Like it's, just, it's Windermere. The conditions aren't atrocious. We've still got a reasonable pressure. The hot pressure was still actually not too bad. Pressure was yep. okay. Sunny days are good, yes, but we had full thick overcast, so they should still feed. And you're like, it's Windermere. So I said, do, do we just say that they, they're hard to catch in, in tough conditions? Or, yeah. And you're like, and that's, you said they, they'll be biting somewhere. They have to be biting somewhere. Somewhere there'll be a bank and they will be chewing. Whether, chew, whether chewing really, really well or just, you know, getting a few fish, more so than catching one fish in four hours. You meant like, yeah. you know, we should be able to fish a bank for an hour and get, you know, three or four hits. Like exactly. even on a tough yeah. day, somewhere, even, something like that will happen. Yeah, yeah. you don't need to be necessarily yeah, setting the world on fire, but we should have been doing a lot better than that. So, so anyway, we, we went to the trees. We, we fished vertical for a while. Um, I think Dill got work. a hit on the first... Dill got a hit in the first That's fish right. we seen. And yep. then I was like, okay, rightio, well, this could be good. We, we could expand on this for an hour or two. Because by this stage, we'd finished the film, we'd had that wrapped up, let's get an option for people that, you know, when it does shut down, you know, this is something you can do, turn to the vertical, you know, standing timber vertical techniques. Dill misses yep. a fish, we then see one, two, three, four, you know, six, seven, eight fish that really want nothing to do with it and go, what are we, you know, we're, what's, we're struggling here, what are we going to do next? Yeah, because we thought... Up shallow, maybe if they switch off up shallow, they come on around the thermocline or where that little bit warmer water yep. is or on the trees. So let's give that a go. Yep. You did get one. You did get the biggest fish of the trip doing that though. That's so you right. Got one. So you, yeah, you skipped around and started fishing edges again. Yep. Because you, the trees were annoying that me. Boat. Yep. And then yep. Dylan and I, I just sort of said to Dill, look, we'll just try this last day in the trees. I was really keen to get Dill onto a fish because he been do, he'd done it pretty tough that day. We all had done it pretty tough, and I think the day before he, he only had a caught pretty quiet day as well. So he'd only caught two fish for the whole trip by this stage. So yeah. I'm really keen, and and Dill's quite switched on with the vertical thing. We've done a fair bit of it at Barrenjuk because it is when Barrenjuk's a, a a tree dam, so he's quite well versed in vertically fishing sort of thing. So I thought, no, we'll we'll stick with that. Unfortunately, he'd run out of steam. He'd sat down to the back of the boat as this big fish cruised underneath. I drop a um, curl tail grub down, tease it up a couple of times, hook it, go, oh man, this is a good fish. Comes to the surface, <laughs> it's well and truly 60. Put it on the mat, it goes yeah. 62 centimetres. Dill, <laughs> by this stage, is, I think Dill by that time was hoping for the wind to blow up. Or something like that, because he was really not in a happy mood at all. <sighs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> oh man, that kid made me laugh on that trip. Even <laughs> when you were trying to take photos the afternoon before, you were just trying to take like a nice photo of him fishing. You're like, "Dude, just yep. stand still." I've never yep. laughed so hard in the last few years when he was just pulling faces, and I don't even yeah, know what he did, well, but I was in hysterics. Yeah, he's sticking his arm out funny when he's cast. Because is it just cast? Just fish normal? Because he's sort of looking away from the camera, like mate, just look normal, you know? Because it was, it was nice light. It was going to be a beautiful profile picture, blah blah. And he just starts sticking he his arm out it. like he's 
Like he's playing a like bloody a banjo or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. I was in hysterics. I was nearly crawled over. I think you got a photo of me killing myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah, because that was, that was just as funny watching you nearly falling off the boat in laughter at him bloody doing uh, the chicken dance while I'm trying to take a photo. So, yeah, yeah, he'd had so enough. He'd had enough. It had been raining for a little while by that stage, drizzling. Just started, just. He was knackered because, you know, 4.30 in the morning, several mornings in a row for a 14-year-old is pretty hard going. Plus, yep. we had rickety old bunks in the place we were staying. So the sleep wasn't all that great either. But we wanted to keep trying to see if we could work something out because I was like, we've finished this film. I want to have a bit of a finish. Yep. I don't care about the rain. Let's test yep. the limits in the rain. Let's see if we can find them biting somewhere. Yeah. So... We measure that up. Dill's very happy about it. And we just looked at each other, me and you, and just was like, we're going to that spot. It's like, yeah. And we'd we'd spoken about this spot in the morning. You're like, no, we're not going all the way out there. It's too far. It's going to be pouring rain. It's too far. We're not going all the way out there. And we did well, You didn't argue just, with me, but I wish you did. No. <laughs> We zigzagged our way all the way there until it was that close. I could nearly point to it and go, look, it's right there. Like, it's literally not that far. And what do we do? And this was a spot we had caught fish off earlier. We'd fished it three times. We'd actually caught nothing off it one morning. We got two off it another morning. And I think I got three off it one arvo. But it was just a spot that kept holding fish. So, righto, let's go give it a crack. Yeah. So, we low up there. And by this stage, it's actually raining. Like the weather, the weather had closed in. If you look at all the rules of spring yellows, it's like we are in shutdown. But these, you know, we didn't even have time to have those thoughts. It was like first or second cast. Nah, this is what it was. I remember it. So it was first cast for you, bang, drop fish. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? We're on 29 fish and <laughs> one more to hit Henry's prediction. And I was yep, like, it's been dead all right. day. We have fished for seven hours for two fish. We fished yep. seven hours for two fish. I was doing a fair bit of filming. Actually, that day I fished pretty hard because we needed a fish in the boat. Yeah. Seven yep. hours for two fish. You've just dropped one, you idiot. Next cast, <laughs> you dropped another Sounds one. Sounds a bit wrong. I was like, what yep. are you doing? Yep. Um, two casts later, boom, you hooked up. That was actually a catfish, that one. That was a caddy. Yep. Two then casts later for me, bang. Bang, I'm on. Halfway to the boat, like, fell off, I think. Did it fall yep, off? I think two fell off did. on me as well. Two. Yep. yep. We dropped four the fish whole... and caught one caddy. Yep. And then I think and... we stuck 12 in a row. Yeah, it just rolled on. It was just it, it was just an instant turnaround. It was from... good was it? It was so good. Yeah, it went from us, okay, let's, we're on a shutdown. We called it for a shutdown lake. Let's find an option for people in a shutdown situation to it's the hottest bite we've had for the whole trip. Yeah. Like in, in an instant, 12 just fish, while making that move. 12 fish in yep. two hours from what we had, 18 hits or something, or 17 hits in yep. two hours. And it was just about finding some. Yes, the entire system was slow. They weren't yep. feeding as well. There was no sunlight. Yellows love sunlight, direct sunlight, especially early spring. 
But these fish were on because we just found a concentration of them. Yeah. Um, there was quite a few there. So Big numbers. And it was, yep. a, it was a feeding spot. It was a, fo- a spot where they were ambushing food, crack, you know, eating yep. food. They actually fed better then than they fed even on our morning and Arvo windows that we fished that spot. Yes. Um, whether the bite extended itself just because there was fish there and it was overcast because I think, I think it's only an assumption and I think you agreed is those fish would have been feeding like that there for a fair bit of the day, I reckon. Your luck. I think it's so. It's not the yeah. fact we rocked up at one thirty. It's the fact that they were there and they were hungry and if we had got there three hours earlier, it would have been a first cast fish situation. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and it's also that concentration thing, you know, where I talked about the percentage of, you know, if there's a school of 100 fish or 50 fish or whatever it might be hanging off a point, if only 10% of 100 is biting, there's still 10 hungry fish compared to fishing yep. a bank where there's 10, that 10% is only one fish that's going to feed. So we and found a good go patch. That one is pretty small. Exactly. So we found a really good patch of fish with a fair percentage of them that were feeding. There were still a fair few that were hanging out wide because Dill was sort of, you know, struggling a little bit and it does... It's another example of that whole technique, getting that technique right, where Dill yep. just couldn't quite nail it. And, yep. you know, of all those he didn't get a touch fish in that, that session. Caught, he, he didn't get a touch. And so... So we got 12 fish. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was really struggling to get that technique right. So he's then reverted back to, he was then spending a lot of time using the... Um, live tech to try and get those fish that were sort of out a little bit wider. Couldn't get them to bite either. So there was still fish wide, but there was still a massive fish hanging up shallow and, and on the chew. Jeez, it was fun. It was it so was much really, fun. Really that good. pluck. <laughs> pluck is epic. And you guys might have watched our Instagram story. I'll actually put up a, a recap of the entire Windermere trip now that's over um, where you can check out the highlights. I'll do a Windermere 2022 highlights so you can go watch that if you haven't seen it. Um, but that was epic. Those videos yeah. that we, we we just pulled out the phones because we just started fishing because it was pour, pouring rain. I could see the water. There was a layer of water <laughs> above the carpet. Like, you know how carpet has the little strands? Those strands were not in air. It was like no. a layer of water. Your bilge pump was pumping all the way home on the drive. Every hill yep. you went up, it kept pumping. It pumped while we were out there. It's automatic. <laughs> it was pouring, yeah. and I had the best fun I've ever had yeah. chasing yellows ever. It was just... It was every 10 casts, you were getting whacked. There was a period there yeah. where they slowed down a little bit. I probably had 15, yep. 25, probably had 25, 30 casts, but... Yeah. yeah, it was just... We just shifted a little and bit and, yeah, found them again and, yeah, it was all on. It was really good because the camera gear had gone away because there's just no chance of filming anything. So, it was just us and the fish and we just... Oh, we had a hell of a time, didn't we? Yeah, and that goes to show about that whole when we're on them, we film, we don't take advantage of it. If we were mm-hmm. filming then, we might have only caught four fish or three fish, yep. not 12, because yep. we would have stopped and filmed... Um, talked yeah. about it, you know, did tight shots. I, on one spot, I got out in the bank and did some f- shots of you casting from up on the top of a hill. So yeah, yeah. that was a good yeah. example of look what happens when we both sit here and just keep casting, catch a fish, photo, yeah. let it go. So normally I never do that because 
the reason we're able to create this podcast and all this content and all this stuff for you guys is because we do it for our for our platform. Um, and yeah. the reason I'm able to fish so much is because of that. So <clears throat> when I fish, I don't usually just go to fish. It's always to create something. Um, so yeah, that, that scenario forced me to put a camera away because literally yeah. you opened up the camera case and it was flooded. So I was like, yeah. well, this is going to ruin all my gear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great scenario, and yeah. and it just a huge example again about getting that technique right. Like we shared eighteen yeah. hits in two hours, and deal. Yes, he probably cast half as much as us, but he was still casting in the right spot. But getting yeah. that technique right made a massive, massive difference. Even John O couldn't quite crack it. Just just didn't quite get it. Whereas Grant picked it up as soon as we, as soon as he watched us do it once, he picked it up straight yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, he was onto it straight away. Changed his trip. I mean, even that last session, I was still adjusting the whole time, that whole trip. Even in that last session, I made an adjustment which tripled my catch rate instantly. You changed your jig head, didn't you? So your jig head. I did. Just a, a jig head weight yep. made a massive difference because you were like, yep. I was fishing side by side. We're fishing the same lure. We're casting the same spot. I thought probably the thought went through your head that you know Reese can fish slightly better than I can. Did you? You probably that thought that. N- that that yeah, never crossed that pro- my mind. Yeah, it, it might have. But anyway, we're fishing. That has never crossed my mind. <laughs> Come on, we're fishing side I'm by not, side. But... I'm not sure of a lot of things, but I can guarantee everyone out there listening right now that thought never crossed my mind. <laughs> just, anyway, just we're so fishing clear. side by side. <laughs> <laughs> And you were like, something's wrong here. Reese is getting yeah. more hits for less casts. And it also happened the afternoon session before because I caught four fish. Yeah. You did get a couple of hits, but I outfished yeah, you yeah. four to none. And yeah. between that and uh, that's what I find was I lost quite... three. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I find that... But I felt, that, I felt like I was you know, fishing... For you to be aware of that the afternoon before, the aware of that in that session to be like, something is wrong here. That's the that's the sort of we talk about a bit. That's the gut instinct coming back into into play a bit, I think. And I think yes. that's um, it. It comes from experience, but it also comes from shared learning and being aware of your situation, being aware of what's happening, and soaking in the information that's right there in front of you. That information was right there in front of me. All I had to do was pick up on it. And so yep. in that situation, Which you, did. you know of. I did. I've got to sort of process it. I mean, and I think that's, you know, another key thing to the social fishing platform is all that information is actually packaged up for you and all you've got to do is soak it in. Yes. I mean, you don't really have to interpret a whole lot because we do a lot of that work out there on the water. Like we do all that research and and work out just those tiny little adjustments that can really turn your day around. And I think that's a, a really important thing for sort of people to take out of this conversation is just how available and how valuable, and I know we talk about this a lot, but it is just how valuable that information is for people to um, help them, you know, just make the most of their time out on the water. Because we're pretty time poor, and so we really need to make the most of it. And to have this information, I mean, I wish someone had shaken me on the previous session where I did get out fishing and go, Dan, 
there is something wrong here. This is what you need to change because I would have changed it then and, you know, I wouldn't have had to work quite so hard. But just making that tiny little jig head adjustment just changed things click of a finger. All of a sudden, yeah. it just, you know, boated three or four out of the last sort of few fish. Yeah, you outfished me then you know, real quick. It just, it just changed. Like it just felt right then. All of a sudden, it's just like, oh, there it is. There's that sweet spot. And, so on yeah. what you were saying, yeah, you, you summarize it really well. But what you just explained is that is why I created the platform. That's why you helped me create content now. That's why you come on these trips is to help you guys out there listening catch fish. That's why I started yeah. it. We started it as a as a website. I know you see so many messages and I honestly just want to see you guys all have fun and catch fish. That is exactly yeah. why I do it. I love fishing myself. I yeah. started to share because with fishing shows back in the day, they never showed you how to catch fish. And I was like, well, what leader are you using? What is this? Like, you just went and caught an awesome trout, but I want to do that. And no one yeah. would share it. So once I worked yeah. it out, it was like, I want to share it. Now, the reason it is in the form of a paid platform is that I could not physically go and do these trips and create this content without trying to make income from it. So I know we're talking about it as something that isn't free. You do have to pay for it, but it wouldn't be there if you didn't have to pay you know, the the one cost of one lure to That's go right. get that yeah. content. So, yeah. by me building or by all of us building this platform in a way it is that it is behind a paywall is actually me saying that I am super dedicated to answer your questions and give you guys everything that you want because I can now do it every day of the week. I pretty much yeah. sit on the computer or go out and film seven days a week just to help you guys so well that is why we do what we do and that just it's just jogged my memory about and i think i sort of mentioned this to you just briefly um you know just how much dylan picked up on your dedication and planning and just how well laid out you how laid out you make these trips to make sure that you are using your time, our time, the most in the most effective way to be able to create create the most amount of content to help people catch fish while we're out there. He's yeah, he, you know we're driving home. We've been on the road. Say, tell the story. What happened? Yeah, so we're we're cruising home. We'd stopped in for lunch. And we're, you know, we're probably only half an hour away from home. And Dill's just sitting there. It's all pretty quiet. And and before you, you go of, on, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. You said Dill's 14. And yep. from a fishing point of view, he's not as keen as you and I were at that age. So he's not like a no. full, crazy no. addicted to fishing. He, You know, he enjoys the no. trips. He enjoys spending time with yep. you, Camvin. But the whole time yep. he wanted to go chase goats with me. I was yes. like... That came up you prefer to go and yet. chase a goat up the hill than, you know, fish. So he's not, he likes his fishing, but he's not crazy yeah. into it like us. But no, keep going. No, no, he's not. No. And so, you know, we're cruising along and he just sort of had this, you know, look in his eyes, you know, and he can sort of tell, Rodio, he's got something to say. So I sort of just sort of glanced over. 
and he, he just says to me, Reese has got these trips just planned out so well. Like he just knows exactly what's going to do. He says, I, I sit there and you guys are talking about the trip in that recap thing that he's done and he's just, he's just like he's just so much information. You just know so much about things. He said, I learnt so much about tiny little things in fishing on these trips that I'd never, ever thought about. Because, you know, when I take him out fishing, we fish and I try and teach him things. But he's never been in an environment where two people are sort of planning and talking and thinking about and processing potential content the way that we do. Because, you know, it's got to be... We've got to be able to interpret it really easily for people to be able to soak in as well. So there's a whole new level of discussion that goes on between us two when we're on a trip yeah. about creating content and about the process and about how we are going to fish to then be able to translate in that into quality, easily absorbed knowledge. So that's like, like that you- morning session where I was like, how do we explain to, how are we going to work out how to catch fish when they're shut down? Like, let's yeah. try different stuff. That's why we fish the trees. That's why we fished every part of the dam, every bay, bank, not every bay and bank, yeah. but as much as we could to figure out what doesn't work, what does work. Yeah. How do and these so, fish behave? Yeah. And and for, for Dylan at 14 years old, you know, a hormonal teenager to pick up on just how intense we are when it comes to creating this stuff it, uh, honestly it's it speaks volumes because a lot of stuff goes straight over his head a teenager yeah. is in you know he's in a whole different world of <laughs> you know you know what i mean like he's he's a pretty yeah, yeah. sort of kid um yeah. but for him to pick up on that and actually vocalize the the level of passion that we sort of have out there in the water it 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 really is and i hope people understand i hope it sort of comes through the right way it's a big deal because you know he's a 14 year old kid you've got not a worry in the world but yeah yeah he picked up on that and he 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 regurgitated things that he'd learnt from the trip you know about changing the jig head and he said to me when I changed my jig head, he said, "What are you doing, Dad? Why are you cutting that off?" And at like that you time, did just catch, sh- you'd already caught like two fish or three yeah. fish in that yep. half an hour. So why are you cutting yep. that off? Exactly. I was I, I cut his lure off to give him a change up because I'm like I've got to find something that he can fish effectively because he wasn't able to get that technique right. So I cut his off, tied something else on for him, and at the same time I cut mine off. And as I'm doing that, he's, what, what, why would you possibly do that? And I didn't actually answer him at that time, but he picked up by the end of our conversation, the end of that session, and he said to me in this conversation in the car, he's like, I can't believe that the change in that jig head changed so much so quickly. Yeah. So you basically, for those listening, we basically went lighter. The jig head was too heavy and burying in the bottom wasn't natural. You basically needed to go lighter to make it more in this in that scenario. Whereas the heavier one worked when we we're fishing deeper because we we're fishing shallow. Mm-hmm. You needed a lighter jig head for a longer, like a sink, like so it sunk so slower, gave the fish more yep. time to see it, and didn't bury in the grass. That's just an example of the intricacies yep. of what we're talking about and what's in that report. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's basically what you did. One size smaller. That's all. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so all that information that we compress and mould and, you know, make it easily consumable for people is, you know, that's that's basically what he had picked up on and, and what he crazy. was sort of talking about on that trip. And for, I mean, that's one of the highlights of my whole trip. I, mean, I was going to say, really you were telling fish. me it was. I got some really good plucks. I watched him catch a couple of good fish. Um. I caught a 60, like, honestly, uh, I would probably put that little five-minute conversation as the highlight of my trip. That, Excuse me, you got to hang out with me for three days. Yeah, that's why that <laughs> that's five-minute not, conversation. That's not a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> not a highlight. You know, so that, and I think we mentioned it earlier in this um, podcast, it's 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 also the, the, the linkings with people, the communication, and all those other little bits and pieces you know, outside of a trip that, that can sometimes make it what it is as well. So, yeah, that for me was, it, it's, yeah, it's, it was a good moment. It was it was a highlight for sure, if not the highlight, that one. So It's pretty cool when you told me because I kind of just do it and for him to notice what I was doing well, was pretty cool because I don't stop. Like, that's no, what I was saying. We and, didn't explain. We, we didn't explain the nights. And Sorry, get what you were going to say because... No, no, and that's, and that's why I... That's why I wanted to make sure that you heard it as well because I think you it's important for you to hear that that is working, that that is recognisable by, you know, not only people who've got half an idea and are pretty passionate about fishing, but for a kid who would rather chase goats up the hills <laughs> can see what you're investing into this platform. So I think that's really, yeah. really important for you to, to see that and recognise and be recognised um, for, for what you're creating. So. It's pretty cool. And and I just want to mention, it's not just me. You have a big part, Karen, huge part to yeah, play. Yeah, it's, it's a team. all of it's our contributors yeah. and even all the members that are there. Like I, I want to thank every yeah. single member that's jumped on. And For sure. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's been a pretty cool two and a half year journey. My, uh, is it today? Yes, today my son is two and a half years old and the membership launched three days before he was born. So I'll always remember how old the membership is. Yeah. It was two and a half years old today or three days ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Like we don't stop like those those nights. Like we get back, we we, we cook, like we, we have to eat because it's nearly seven. Like yeah. one night we travel back in the dark. Yeah, pitch black. I had a windshield handy enough, but there was bugs yeah, city out there. Bugs. Oh, man. <laughs> if, you're going to windy, if you're going to Windy, <laughs> get ready for the bugs right on dark. They are crazy um, and they're going to get worse. So either mm. have a pair of safety glasses or something if you stay yeah, out there late. Something. something. But, you know, you pull the boat in. It's not like when you camp winter fishing for cold. Well, you could do it at Windermere, but we didn't just pull the boats up and get straight into it. Like, you know, you pull the boat up drive back to the cabin, you know, unpack everything. We'll start cooking dinner, yep. but I spend the entire night cutting footage off cards because yep. you got a couple of SD cards, I've got cards. So cutting that chart, it's, it, I don't want to bore you with the, the details, but yeah, cutting cards, you know. Um, There's heaps of work. Yeah, doing charging everything, making sure everything's charged and everything's ready to go for the morning, plus the planning of the film. The films are quite in-depth. They're a lot more in-depth than, say, just a vlog video, like a session that we do or yeah. um, or the technique videos. But there's still thought behind them. That that film, 
I haven't edited yet. That's my job for the next the weekend and early next week. But um, yeah, a fair bit goes into it, so it's good that Dill actually noticed that. So yeah, 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 big yeah. trips. But I get I oh, I sure. have heaps of fun doing them. That it means a lot more to go and create content, come home, put a trip report up. Like I had, there was two members messaged me on Friday and said, "When will the trip report be up?" And I said, oh, it'll be up in the morning on the Saturday morning." We got home Thursday night. I wrote the trip report all Friday and I was like, oh, it can go up tomorrow. But I had yep. two members who were there who said, oh, do I, can I get service because I'm here tonight camping and I'm going out in the morning. From those two messages, I was like, this has to be up for those two guys. They need to see this because yeah. it's no point once they get home. Like, it's going to change yep. their day, hopefully. So I yep. spent... And I knew because I watch my wife works mornings, so I have the kids in the morning. So I don't get on the computer till nine thirty after she gets home from work. So the day, like I knew that the report might not be up till lunch. So she stayed up till after midnight to make sure it went up, just yeah. so that they had it for that morning. So, and then the the trip recap, we did that recap video that went up the night after, and the technique yeah. that we used, I just published a video running through that technique. So the exact casting the edge technique we used how we fish through the flooded edges because the, the lake we haven't touched on it tonight but the lake yep. is all flooded now so you got blackberries everywhere you got grass everywhere fishing that's really hard but it's still fishable with the right technique yep. we also yep. run through a couple of other videos one that applies is how we customize the hooks on our lures that was really critical for fishing yep. the grass and the edges and the weeds yeah, was the uh, the hook configuration but the, the there was there's probably three key lures for Windermere this spring, hey? There'd be three go-tos. We caught them on curl tail soft plastics. We yep. also caught them on soft vibes. And the other one, which yep. a lot of people are catching them on, we didn't have as much luck because the wind is your jerk baits or your suspending yeah. hard bodies. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. They're the three to have, hey, this spring. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. Um I guess the only other one was a little bit of a lean back to guys fishing off the bank. So fishing, you know, just traditional diving lures off the bank sort of thing. Like your timber um, hard bodies that float back Yeah, up. timber hard bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of that going on. So, uh, But yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, suspending hard bodies, curl tail grabs, soft vibes um, are going to be top three. For me, yep. um, soft vibes... In the right situation, there's you can't fish them on all banks, um, just because of the different vegetation and stuff that's on the bottom. Yeah, your curl tail grubs are probably the most versatile um, in any waterway, but Windermere as well. Um, and your jerk baits, I think a lot of the most success on the jerk baits has probably come from fishing that under the live tech, um, yep. where you'd be uh, you know you're able to sort of run those lures right down coastal fish, wait for them to react to it and then slowly twitch it and get them to eat it sort of thing. So, you know, it's it's definitely an effective way to do it, but not for uh, not for everyone, I suppose. But um, They will change, yeah. though, as they warm up. They'll become more responsive to those lures and you won't have to visually see I the think, fish first. I don't think they'll chase them. Yeah. I think even, even like, you know, if we had have had... Um, you know, a warmer run up, and they were chewing a little bit better. Like it could be happening now. Like if we get decent weather, I know we're 
just about running them all rain again, but if you were to get a hot patch at any time um, and just that water temp comes up a little bit and they start chewing a bit more, you, you're dead right. They, they're going to be a, um, a really effective way for anyone to fish them as long as it's not blowing a gale because uh, those fish yep. are going to become a lot more active and a lot more aggressive to those sort of lures as well. So they could yep. be a really, really red-hot lure this season. So they're the three picks, and the reason for that is your vegetation. So we, we go into more detail yeah. on that in that recap video on that trip report and which yeah. banks we fish what lures on. But, yeah, suspending hard bodies or your, just your standard floating diving hard bodies are the easiest to fish because you're not down in that. But yeah. using the plastics caught us a lot more fish just because we were down in front of the fish, but you just had to pick them on the right banks. Um, yep. Just for a little bit of a touch on, I know we've talked about it, but I talk, we, we discuss in the trip recap and the trip report where we fished, all the banks we caught the fish off, the key banks, and then other banks that are yep. similar that are worth fishing. Yep. Um, our prediction for what's going to happen as the season warms up, how the live technology helped, but also didn't help, um, techniques for just casting the edge, everything you could need, to go there. That's what our trip reports always include. Our Y-Angler one included that and that Y-Angler yep. trip report, I reckon the info on that will be identical come next winter. You would want to fish it the exact same way that the lake is still full and will be still full. So, yeah. I, like I know the trip reports, you know, we might only go to this lake once, like Y-Angler we might not visit next year but that report will still be handy for next year. So, that's just totally one part. Relevant. There's the maps. Yeah. Um, I took drone photos on the trip, um, re-sort of mapped the river because there was no water last time we went. So I was actually this afternoon loading up those new pins on the maps for all the key areas up the river and things like that. So yeah, yeah, it was a big trip. It was good fun, mate. It was really really good fun. What are are your three... uh, Actually, before we finish up, um, if you're right, what's your thoughts on Windermere going forward? I know we touched on it at the very start, but just a little summary... Going forward, what kind of fishery will it be? Oh, it's it's still going to be Windermere. It's still going to be the famous Windermere, the pinnacle um, golden perch fishery. There's no doubt in my mind that those fish are going to um, continue to feed. The weed is going to regrow, and it is still going to be an amazing place to fish, especially through spring. Um, given seasons as they are at the moment, um, cool, wet, windy stuff around. That's it's, rubbish, eh? It is, yeah. And we've got this next rain event coming up um, in a few days' time, which is going to keep temperatures down. It, you know, it might be the, it might be a sort of season that will actually be fairly consistent for a lot longer. So I don't think the fish will push um, deep as early. So it might be a really, really good, fun edge bite right through Extended. summer. Yeah. Yep. yep. So it's it's yep. got potential to be really good. I don't think we're going to get those really peak edge bites that we really really like to get. So it's not going to be, you know, possibly like a short two or three week window. Yeah. And yeah, so I it's think, going to just be a okay the whole time. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Just just given you know rain predictions and the way the weather is and all that sort of stuff at the moment, I think it's just going to be a a more stable good bite rather than a short unreal bite for a couple of weeks so it really gives opens up opportunities for people to be able to book trips um you know right through i think potentially right through to you know at least mid-november even into into summer it's 
yeah, it's still it's going to fish really really well on the edges, um, right right the way through. And next season, I th- think it's uh, if the weed growth comes back as it looks like it's going to, whether it be you know just the snot weed or actual weed beds growing again, which I'm assuming won't take very long for them to reestablish, it is going to yep. be crackers up there. It's going to be yes, amazing. mad. Yeah. It'll be great through yeah. autumn too, this next autumn, March, April. We might actually see a really good March, April bite because not as many people will visit and the weed yeah. might already start to be there. So, Yeah, yeah, which would be... It's just yeah, the food. Well, I, They're feeding like... You know how the water temp was yeah. only 13 when we got there when it yeah. started? We did get yeah. water temps of 18, but just remember yeah. that is completely misleading. I talk about this all the time. We talk about it in our yeah. live Q&As. Yeah. And 18, I said the water was between 13 and 18. It is not a true 18. Dan and I have discussed this in depth that it's just surface temps like the first two yeah. inches. And that is yeah. the issue with the spring from last year is that, yes, the water hit 20, but it wasn't a real 20 where it had soaked through like it would have at a normal, say, October period. Yeah. So, it's it's it was 13. It was still 13 when we left down where it was. It's just right against the edge in a meter of water had pepped up a little bit. So you yep. can't go out on a session and go, oh, it's 18. Why are they not biting? You have to actually yeah, no. be conscious of the weeks prior. And that's one yep. thing I talk about in the weekly prediction. I do a weekly video every week going, yes, it's getting warm, but it's still not quite warm enough even though the weather has just warmed up. So yeah. that's one big thing. It went from eight it went from thirteen and a half to eighteen degrees. But the the trigger of getting to that eighteen was warmer, sunny days which help them trigger as well and slightly warmer water in the yes. edges. Yep. But that, that you're gonna get I reckon you're gonna get because it's gonna take a while to get to where it needs to be, but I think autumn April, like that April period will be really, really cool, really good before next spring as well yeah yeah well it's and it's not going to be i mean last autumn it was on the rise i fished it in march march and we had yeah yeah. we had a really really good um bite on the trees but i think this um you know next autumn is going to be they'll move deep when you know through january february but i think march april they're going to move back up on the edge especially if that weed is there so you're going mm-hmm. to get another really good edge bite through autumn which yeah i think i'll be going back yeah me too i'm coming because <laughs> we won't get yeah. there dan and i i don't know about yourself but i won't be able to get there for spring um again it's just going to disappear we're going to burn yeah no that's too many other we're things doing to local do. stuff doing lake yep. hume yeah so it's gonna yeah, yeah. It's heaps. so yeah definitely I'm definitely going in autumn unless the rivers all magically drop and run crystal clear, which I can't see that happening with the amount of rain we're having. No, Um, no. But those fish, right, what I was getting at with that temperature was, yes, it was 13.5 degrees, but they are feeding like crazy. So in my report, I did say go now. Like it's not ideal and they will fire better probably by the 15th, 20th of October. They will feed better, but they are still feeding now. If you and it's more windows, so it's windows with a sunny afternoon or yep. a warmer day or a barometer spike. Whereas come October, they'll just feed consistently and there'll be more fish willing to feed consistently. Whereas right now, you're going to get those really nice little bite windows when the weather's right because there is so much food. They are gorging. They're not going to give up, 
you know, 50 worms floating past them because they're like a bit not feeding. They're going to start smashing it. One fish spat up 50 worms in front of me and that is not a lie. He did one big cough. There would have been 30. I hope you can see it in the video um, because we were filming. And then he did two more coughs of like 10. There's probably more worms. Like they are smashing the food. So much food. Yeah. Every fish you pull up, it's like got a swollen guts on it. Like it's, they're just, they're, yeah, they're definitely feeding. Yeah, 13 degrees, but they're definitely feeding. But remember, you know how we watched a few on the live tech and that's a whole other discussion which we talked about in that recap video about live tech, but so many fish were non-responsive. I'd fish turn away, not look at it, blah, blah, blah. You got to remember our lures lures are not a worm. If I dropped a worm down, he might just go, oh, yeah, I'll pluck that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Like our lure is something they've got to chase and eat. So... Yeah, you know what I mean. They're they're definitely feeding. You just have to trick them or get them in that moment where they're willing to turn around and grab it, or when the pressure spikes and they're like, "Oh, I'm really feeding now. Let's eat everything." Um, yeah, but they're definitely feeding. Yes, definitely, definitely feeding. So anyway, uh, that was epic chat, Matt. I thought we were going to talk for like forty minutes, and everyone listening knows how long we've been talking for because they have listened to this point. My apologies yep. for that, but that was really good chat. No, I think it's worthwhile. It is. It was uh, it was good. So much more we could have talked about. Um, anything else you want to add, mate? Oh, one thing I want to add. Can you give me your three top moments, your three top moments that were fish-related and then your three top moments that weren't fish-related? I was going to give you just top two or top three, but it's just too hard. So, <laughs> right give, me, so... give me top three fish-related moments from the trip. All right. So, number one was... Like the best one? The Number best one. one fishing, yeah, best one fishing related was Dill's fish on the soft vibe up the river. Yep. Which was just after Jono's or while you guys were filming Jono's fish. Yep. And Number, that's because num- you said that a lot of experienced anglers still struggle to get fish on soft vibes. So, so that was Dill's first yellow yes, on a soft just, vibe? Um, not his first, but the first with that particular. Um, technique that particular retrieve and that's sort yep. of the more that's more the bit that you know some guys sort of struggle to get because when you talk about it it's it's hard to explain without actually seeing it happen so um, that was really good for him to be able to do that um, because I've fished tournaments and stuff with other guys in my boat and watched them struggle to catch fish doing it um, so that was really good to see him actually put that together and, and catch himself a fish, which was a nice fish in the mid sort of 50s. Um, yep. Number two fish would have been the one that I caught just before that spot and that little gap <clears throat> in the trees, which was just, it was just a nice capture. It was a really, really good pluck as the soft fly was sinking back down. But it was just one of those little pockets in those flooded gums where I'm like, I've got to fish that and I've got to fish it well. I'm going to pull a fish out of there. The cast went in really, really shallow, like within inches of the bank, and I just thought, this is going to happen. Second hop, as the lure's drifting back down, pluck, wind into it, on, and that was, you know, that's like the ultimate in edge bite golden perch fishing is that pluck on the drop. So that was your favourite fish of the trip, and it was only like, it was about 50 centimetres, it wouldn't have been over. About 50, yeah. Yeah, yep. and it was your favourite, so, and it was nowhere near the biggest. No, that's right. No, exactly. 
Um, number three might be, I would say, that that 60-centimetre fish, um, just because of the yep. size of it, just because it was a proper brute. So, uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's 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 those for me, mate. Yeah. And what about non-fishing related? Obviously, the um, top, because your moment of the trip was Dill mentioning what he mentioned on the car drive home. That was the number one, hands down. Yep. Uh, yep. Number two, I don't know. Those Can I give moments. you my three fish ones and three other ones? Yeah, go on. So fish-wise, my favourite fish moment of the trip was definitely Jono's 59 and a half. It was just yeah, good one. picture yep. perfect for the story. You know, he hadn't caught a fish all day except for a tail hooked yellow. And I said, you know, it's a fish, but it doesn't count because you didn't hook it properly. Um, he's by caught yellows as well, yellows as bycatch chasing cod before. He'd never chased them properly. You know, he'd fished all day. You and I were smashing them. He wouldn't change lure, even though we told him what lure he should be using. He's like, yeah. no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to stick with the grub. I was like, you need to go to a soft fire. No, nah, no, nah, I'll stick with the grub. And it got to the point where he had to stick with the grub. And it was getting late. There was only just enough light left to film. He hooks his fish on a cast that he said, oh, I might get stuck between that tree and that <laughs> stick. Should I pull it out? I was like, no, that's where the fish is holding. Just retrieve it. Yeah. Bang, yeah. hooks his fish. And not only did he finally catch one, from his only hit of the day, it was a bigger fish than I caught all weekend. It wasn't yeah. quite 60, but it was all but. Um, it was a, still a beast of a fish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it just captured the entire day and what Windermere is about for the film perfectly. So I think that entire day will come up really well in the film. Um, yep. That was definitely fish, yeah, fish of the trip. Um, for me, my next one, number two, was that 50 centimeter I caught on the soft vibe um, just before yep. that one. Um, yep. Just really good pluck, really good shake. The one that was right up tight against the edge. That was my first fish of the trip, I think. Second fish of the trip. Um, yep. Really good pluck. So that was, yeah, it was pretty epic. I don't really, can't think of a third off the top of my head. Um, probably a 62, I reckon. Um, yep. But non fishing related would be the Starlo sauce. Yes, I actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about what mine might be if you come back to me, that was going to be on my list as well. Yeah. The Starlo sauce. Yeah. It was so funny. The Starlo <laughs> sauce. Um, yeah. Jeez, deal was funny. <laughs> the wind, because that was the same the entire weekend. <laughs> the wind done it. So something oh, would happen yeah. even on that sunny Tuesday and deal with drop a fish or the fish didn't know he's not looking at it i'm like yeah because the wind oh just <laughs> stop it <laughs> and then he finally deal finally caught on and gave us some curry back on like the third day when i'd say something and then he'd finally bite back it took him a while to yeah have the yeah it did yeah 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 yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah they're the two i don't can't think of a third off the top of my head now but yeah yeah the stalo sauce and the Okay, but just the whole the whole trip was good, just sitting around, you know, meeting new people like Jono. It was the first time you'd yep. met him, first time I'd spent a bit yep. of time with him. You know, yep. that's the most I've hung out with Dill before, um, yep. which was good. So, yeah. And that was good for me too, to, yeah, to spend a – that was, you know, a pretty decent trip even for me to have Dill away with me sort of thing. So, you know, we often do overnighters or a couple of nights, but, yeah, to do an extended trip and have him along was, um, yeah, it was really nice actually just to – 
to hang out, even though we did have our little uh, little tiffs along the way, especially when the wind blew up. But um, oh, yeah, how funny. all in all, all in all, mate, it, you, you come away, and you know, especially when you have those sort of conversations, like I was talking about earlier, it's um, yeah, it just yeah, it really makes it. It's just really that's that's what life's all about, really. And for those who want to see those tiffs. There will definitely be a couple of them in the bloopers of the film because the film will be stacked with bloopers and the wind mm. scene will make it and also some of the other uh, situations. Uh, uh, situations. <laughs> I have another one. I have a third non-fishing moment, which was hilarious, <laughs> other than Dill doing his chicken dance, was we were fishing in the pouring rain. It was bucketing down. Everything was wet. <laughs> And we were filming stories, right? So Dan and I both had a fish or Dan had a fish and he was in the shot. Anyway, Dill had your phone and was going to do yep. a story for us. <laughs> it is pouring rain. <laughs> this is the stuff you just got to remember and bring up because, you know, it makes yeah. you, you know, fish are great to talk about, but the funny stuff is where it is. Um, yeah. Dill, Dill goes to pull the phone out and you're like, oh, can you just wipe the screen, mate, because there's water all over it. So what does he do? He's got a jacket that is completely soaked in water and he starts rubbing it on the jacket. Still, <laughs> the jacket's wet, mate. It's not. And all I thought he was taking the piss, but you said that's just him being a 14-year-old. That's 14-year-old, yeah. <laughs> then you're like, yeah. mate, the jacket's wet. Oh, right, yeah. I'll use me beanie. <laughs> He's rubbing it on head. the beanie. Yeah, on his head. It's been in, you know, 10 mil of rain. Rubbing yeah. it on his beanie. His, his head was already wet. Dill, 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 your head, your beanie's <laughs> wet, mate. You've got to use something. Oh, jeez, it was funny. Uh, wow. Yeah. Just, I was in hysterics. He's good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to take the piss out of him, but that's just, it was just <laughs> made us both laugh. Yeah. yeah. There wasn't much dry to be around no, full credit to nothing. him. Like, I don't know if he actually ended up finding anything to clean it off. Yeah, cause... He, he did. He dove into the top of the console and found a um, that's stuff right. or a rag or something in there and wiped it, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Anyway, yeah, he so... um, he made a lot of my top moments, so it was... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. It was all three. He was all three. The Starlo Source, <laughs> The Wind... And yeah. that situation. So, yeah. it's good fun. Yeah, yeah, too right. Awesome. Anything else, mate? Well, that'll do no, us. That's, I reckon that's about it, mate. I reckon we've got it covered pretty well. It's bedtime. This is a nighttime recording and I think it's mm. time for bed. Yep. Awesome. Righto. Well, we're uh, off to do some more filming. Uh, in two days' time, yes. we're going to be filming more tip videos, te- you know, explaining how we fish vertical, yep. different tapping and shaking retrieves and different rigs and for plastics yep. and all sorts of yellow techniques and we've been putting heaps up. So anyway, that's what we've got coming up. Um, I know we touched on it, guys, but jump on socialfishing.com.au to check out the membership platform. Everything that's inside is written on the page before you jump on. Explore if you have any questions, shoot them through. But as Dan said... Uh, even didn't even have to say just that example with Grant. It it, it changed the, the session he had. I know he was there with us, but if you were to ask us a question in the membership, we were there to provide you know the exact same feedback. He would have known that technique from watching the videos and the content even before that yep. trip. Um, yeah. So 
goes, yeah, makes a huge difference. Even even Jono said that the way we pick apart a session and fish and yellers yeah. and what we were doing was just, yeah, it was it was good to watch. He said it was crazy to see how intricate we were with what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That'll do us. That's Windermere 2022 sign off and we'll be back with another, I'm going to do it. It's an annual thing. So Windermere 2023, we'll do another podcast. Should be fun. Thanks, mate. Thank you, mate. Talk soon. And there you have it, guys. That is the episode right in time for the October long weekend of 2022. But if you're listening to this in two or three years' time, this will apply. The lessons that we talk about, the things that we talk about will apply to Windermere being full, any other lake rising, how you fish a rising flooded lake, and also Windermere in general. So hope you enjoyed the episode. As we mentioned, we talked about the entire way through, but just want to let you know that you can jump on the social fishing website and grab access to all of that stuff we talked about. The membership is loaded with content. You have your access to your maps, you have your reports, you have access to directly message Dan, myself, all the other contributors. So jump on there, check that out. It's got the trip report and all the other videos as well. Plus, that's also where you can dive in and watch the Windermere film, which should be out late next week. Before I finish up with the episode, I just want to give a huge shout out to Dylan. Now, Dylan is Dan's son. Dill, if you're listening, mate, uh, thank you very much for coming on the trip. Uh, Dill, I, I gave him the camera. We just threw him into random situations, both Dan and myself, and said, here, mate, can you take the camera? This is how you use it. It would have been the quickest run through how to use a mirrorless camera recording ever. He's never picked one. He's picked up a camera and film, um, taking photos before. But I was like, here, Dill, hold this. This is how it works. And I've watched back through the footage and the footage come out so good. So, mate, thank you very much for grabbing the camera for us, helping us film that film. There's plenty of shots in there that were all you, mate. So, I just want a huge thanks to that. And also, sorry that you were the laugh of the trip, but you were quite funny, mate, and made for some good jokes, um, good entertainment. So, sorry for having a go at you and a bit of a dig at you in that episode, but it was all in good nature and uh, actually really funny. So, it's good to have you there. Thanks again to Dan as well, mate, for jumping on for this podcast. It, it was pretty late tonight doing it. Thank you for the entire trip, uh, the work with the filming, the content. Glad you stuck some fish as well. That was real handy. Uh, but you pulled through on that last morning, caught that last fish. Um, and also, well done with that PB, that 62 centimeter. Well, not PB, the biggest one of the trip, the 62 centimeter yellow. So, big shout out there. And then a shout out uh, to Jono for joining us. It was good to um, catch up with Starlo as well. Um, and a massive shout out to all of our members. Thank you very much for your support over the years. Like I said, it is two and a half years of the membership platform. It's going on eight or nine years of the social fishing website itself, the social media page, the stuff we've created. We launched it late 2014, something like the summer of 2014-15. Um, I remember launching it with photos from our big Burrenjuk trip where we got two meteries. It's going back a while now, like I said, about eight years ago. So... Yeah, it's awesome to see where we've got to, but it wouldn't be where it is today. We wouldn't be able, to be able to punch out the amount of content that we have like we have in the last two and a half years if it weren't for all you guys out there, all of our members. So if you're not a member, like I said, it is a incredibly fast-growing community. It's crazy to see how many of you guys are jumping on. So much awesome feedback from everyone in there. It is a great community platform. You've got access to message people plus access to 
I believe, some of the best content on freshwater fishing in the country. Um, I pride myself on trying to create as much good quality content as I can. And the reason I believe it is the best is because it's not just content from myself. It is content from so many different minds, so many different great anglers, a range of different materials, and we try to lay it, lay it out in a way that gives you access to everything you need to get in a simple way. You've got the ability to search in there, but you've also got the ability to go through each area of different species and different areas of that species to find the information that you need. Whether you want gear information, you want techniques, or you just want to enjoy some session videos, they're all broken up. And we're going to continue to expand into a lot of bass content this summer and also trout, more trout content. We have a fair bit on cod and goldens, a little bit on trout, a little bit on redfin. We're going to expand into all those five species over the next 12 months and continue beyond that i am super pumped to see where it is going to go and where it is going to take us but just a huge shout out to every single person involved and every single member who has jumped on and supported us in the last two and a half years anyway guys that is it from me you'll be hearing from me in a couple more weeks with more podcast episodes more on golden perch because we are right getting into the heart of that spring period coming up we'll also be talking about bass as well getting closer to the end of the year and obviously we'll jump back into cod as well so there'll be more bass content more yellow stuff and big cod come december 1st so that's it from me guys once again you've been listening to the social fishing podcast my name is reese creed Thanks very much. This is Windermere 2022 Trip Podcast done and dusted.